Free Talk Live. Welcome to the show. You can join us here if you want. Open phones. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. Lots of big stuff in the news this week to talk about, including the BRICS Summit, which I think wrapped up today. It was within the last uh, few days it had been going on. Uh, BRICS, of course, is sort of the other world power alliance that has been building for the last roughly two decades. And it hasn't apparently had new members for the last 13 years, I think it was. So it's only been Brazil, Russia... India, China, China, and, and South, South Africa, Africa for several, at least for more than a decade. It's been that. And they just had their uh, annual summit that they do. It rotates around. So this year it was in South Africa. And the uh, the big news out of BRICS is that they are going to be adding six more countries to BRICS. Which ones? Uh, that is, of course, the big question. And they did announce which ones uh, are going to be added. There were, I think, close to two dozen countries that, that applied. Were, were applying for membership. I'm actually surprised Mexico didn't make it in because that would have been a, a real, you know, F you to the United States. Well, that'd be even scarier if Vivek Ramaswamy and the likes were mm. uh, still trying to bomb Mexico when they get elected. Well, according to people who watched the Republican debate, those poor bastards uh, that uh, love to punish themselves last night, apparently Vivek Ramaswamy was still talking about using the U.S. military against the Mexican cartels. Wow, I thought that he had supposedly walked it back on some show. I don't know about that. I, I'd heard something in regards well, to that. I guess he's that, walked it back after walking it back I suspect it depends to on to whom he's speaking. Probably. You know, like if he's like at the, yeah, if he's at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is a group full of libertarian free staters, where he appeared in June, uh, I suspect he'll talk very differently about it and try to play it down as much as possible. Like, oh well, oh we we just want to get the Mexican military to take action against them. We're not going to actually do anything about it. And then if he's you know in front of a group of Republicans, he's all tough talk about dropping bombs on the. Uh, the Mexican cartels. So, but your point being, Bonnie, that if Mexico were to be admitted to BRICS, which has historically, as I understand it, been more of an economic uh, alliance than it is like a militaristic alliance. Yeah, but still, your economy is going to fall if you're getting bombed by the United States. Sure, but the question is, if you're a member of BRICS, is that going to obligate the BRICS countries to? send military aid if you're invaded by the U.S. military. I don't know if it would obligate them like NATO allies or something like that, but like I said, they're not going to like if they're economically entangled with the country and then the United States starts bombing it. So the big numbers or the big names here include Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, as well as, surprise, Argentina, which we've been talking about in recent days with the candidacy of libertarian Javier Malay, who won the Argentinian primary election, not this past weekend, but the weekend prior, I believe. How many new total? Uh, six. So, so Egypt, mm-hmm. Argentina. Uh, Egypt, sorry. Egypt, Argentina, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates, hmm. which according to somebody's calculation, it's not in any of the stories that I've seen so far, but just on social media, somebody claims 
that that will give BRICS 80% of the world's oil-producing nations. Those are a lot of rich countries. Saudi Arabia is super rich. So, Saudi Arabia is. I don't know about and Ethiopia have- and, and uh, Egypt. But I just figured Egypt was rich. UAE and Saudi Arabia are definitely two major oil producers out there. And uh, them joining BRICS is a huge shot across the bow to the United States. Because if you recall, there was several months ago, Joe Biden was trying to have a meeting with the prince or whatever of Saudi Arabia. And he was getting rejected. Like he couldn't even get a meeting scheduled with this guy. Nice. So, yeah, things are starting to change out there. And this is yet another indicator of BRICS becoming more and more relevant I don't know if they have the numbers in this story from RT. It doesn't look like they do. But according to something I saw earlier on, like, what does this mean as far as how big will BRICS be economically? It said it would be over, I think, $30 trillion in GDP, and it would be over 30% of world GDP. Prior to the expansion, people were saying that BRICS had 42% of the world's population underneath its alliance so this would india and china right india and china are huge um each of them has i think approximately a billion or just over a billion people so now you add into that six more countries uh it it has not been determined the most important question of course is will they change the name of uh of bricks i did see somewhere that they they kind of like the name bricks so they may just be sticking with that uh and like you know bricks plus i think yeah they're like the ogs or whatever they could keep it like that uh, so the story here from Reuters that BRICS is uh, making a pretty big change. Oh, you're saying we're not switching. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, the BRICS block of developing nations agreed on Thursday to admit the countries I mentioned in a move aimed at accelerating its push to reshuffle the world order that it sees as outdated in deciding in favor of an expansion The bloc's first in 13 years. BRICS leaders left the door open to future enlargement as dozens more countries voiced interest in joining a grouping that they hope can level the global playing field. And also, according to Reuters, the expansion adds economic heft to BRICS, whose current members are China, which is the world's second largest economy, as well as Brazil, Russia, India, and South Africa. It could also amplify its declared ambition to become a champion of the global south. But long-standing tensions could linger between members who want to forge the grouping into a counterweight to the West, notably China, Russia, and now Iran, and those that continue to nurture close ties to the United States and Europe. Chinese- Another thing is, if global warming is real, don't you think Russia is going to become, like, prime real estate? <laughs> it might. They certainly have a lot of it. A bunch of land that's not currently, like, housed. Or- yeah, it's undesirable for the Yeah, most because part. it's undesirable, and then... If it gets a lot warmer. But that said, there's, you know, roughly 140 plus million people that live there. So mm-hmm. it is it's no slouch. But it's like almost all towards the bottom. Probably. Uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping said the membership expansion is historic. He said it shows the determination of BRICS countries for unity and cooperation with the broader developing countries. And according to the story, BRICS, according to South African President Cyril Ramaphosa, BRICS has embarked on a new chapter in its effort to build a world that is fair, a world that is just, a world that is also inclusive and prosperous. Now, of course, there's no reason to believe any of that. These, It's important to remember we are talking about governments here. Uh, and when we're talking about governments, we're talking about thugs. One of which has a kingdom, like... But Saudi, is that Saudi, Saudi Arabia? Arabia? Yeah, yeah so we're talking about liars. Just. 
We're talking about despots. We're talking about lunatics, Thugs. killers, and gang members. Parasites. That's, right, parasites. That's who we're talking about here, okay? So are the United States government. All governments all around the world are just terrifying psychopaths. It's an oxymoron to say a just government because right. it's just not just if one human being claims to have authority over another. However, what this is, is it is an alternative to the status quo of the G7, uh, which is, of course, the United States, Canada, Japan, Europe, and some others that I'm not recalling at the moment. But, you know, like the well, never mind. the big Western countries, with the exception of Japan, uh, G7 is sort of the world power. And, and everybody kind of knows it's basically United States and their buddies. Like the people that are going to do the United States bidding. Did I mention the UK? They're in there. Uh, so, you know, the people that will will hop, skip, and jump whenever the U.S. government thugs tell them to. And BRICS is purportedly more decentralized in that it is not ostensibly controlled by China, um, even though they are obviously the, the economic power involved in, uh, in BRICS. So is it a good thing? <sighs> It's. I mean, nothing involving governments is a good thing. This is not going to be likely good for the little people who are being oppressed in all of these countries. But as far as the world scale is concerned... It could having... be good for them for a little bit, at least. Why? Because their countries could become more prosperous. Oh, that is certainly a possibility. I mean, that was that was happening anyway, just because... The world is becoming wealthier over time. And, and anything that's going to keep the bully of the world, the United States government, from, you know, at least make them think twice before attacking other people like, oh, these other countries are, you know, allying together. Yep, that's true. Do you want to bomb Russia when China is like their Your biggest trading partner, big ally? No, like China and Russia being allies. No, I understand what you're saying, but if you bomb Russia and China's your big trading partner, they can punish you economically well, yeah. for that. So, yeah, it does bring in some different aspects to sort of the world forum and how the different thugs of these nations will be interacting in the future. And what does that mean for the little people? Well, the other story that we have tonight about BRICS kind of gets into that in regards to the long-rumored BRICS currency, which... A lot of people were, you know, there was different opinions about this. One was that uh, it wasn't ever going to happen. There was no no real plan for this. Uh, others were saying, yes, they're going to have a gold-backed currency, and that's going to absolutely destroy the dollar. Now, the reality of the situation, we still don't really know yet, but there was some talk about it on Wednesday by Brazil's president at the BRICS summit calling for the BRICS nations to create a common currency for trade and investment between each other as a means of reducing their vulnerability to dollar exchange rate fluctuations. So does this mean that they're going to create a gold-backed currency that's going to destroy all other world currencies? And I think at this point, it is probably too soon to be able to say. Other uh, South African officials had said the BRICS currency was not on the agenda for the summit. However, Lula... From uh, Lula da Silva, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva from Brazil did say that he doesn't believe that nations that don't use the dollar should be forced to trade in the currency. And he has also advocated for a common currency in the Mercosur bloc of South American countries. 
A BRICS currency, he said, quote, increases our payment options and reduces our vulnerabilities. So this seems like you know, a pretty obvious thing for them to do to reduce reliance on the dollar, which will absolutely help the people in those other countries, Not especially if they go gold-backed. If, if they actually do come out with a gold-backed currency, that will be a game-changer. It will be the first such thing in a hundred years or something like that i i guess they did try it in was it gaddafi that that tried to do some sort of gold thing and then the, the u.s government killed him hmm. over it you can correct me if i'm wrong on that I, I don't follow the middle eastern stuff closely but as i recall there was somebody in the middle east some warlord or dictator or whatever that wanted to do some kind of gold-backed uh, currency or actual gold currency and that was one of the alleged reasons the U.S. government took them out. The number here is 603-283-6160. If you want to join the show, that's 603-283-6160. But again, they said that this wasn't officially on the summit's agenda. In July, India's foreign minister said, according to Reuters, quote, there is no idea of a BRICS currency, unquote. Its foreign secretary said before departing for the summit that boosting trade in national currencies would be discussed Vladimir Putin said, uh, which, by the way, he attended via video link because there's now apparently an international warrant for his arrest. So he didn't want to leave Russia, uh, said that the gathering would discuss switching trade between member countries away from the dollar to national currencies. China has not yet commented on the idea. So it sounds like at this point, it has just been something that has been tossed out there by the Brazilian president. I thought it was the South American Nope. Uh, South Africa, you mean? Or, yeah, sorry. I'm South, South Africa's African. official position was that there was not going to be discussion about it on the agenda. But the guy, the uh, Brazil guy brought it up anyway. Uh, building a BRICS currency would be a political project, according to South African Central Bank Governor Lesetja Kangyo told a radio station in July Quote, if you want it, you'll have to get a banking union. You'll have to get a fiscal union. You've got to get macroeconomic convergence. Importantly, you need a disciplining mechanism for the countries that fall out of line with it. Plus, they will need a common central bank. Where does it get located? And there's no doubt these are important questions that they'll need to answer. Of course, those of us who are libertarians would say, well, we don't need a government currency at all. Let the market handle these things. And, of course, we're not talking about a libertarian conference here. We're talking about a conference of arch-authoritarian status. And they all love power. So that's, I think, probably one of the biggest challenges that they've got here is... Yeah, like there was a time where people were were saying, I think Russia and China are going to take on Bitcoin as the national currency of their nations. Pure fantasy. Yeah, I just don't think that they'd do that because it wouldn't be a central bank. Well, right. It would, and both of those countries have central banks, and there's just no way that any central banker is going to just quietly bow out from doing their their role of uh, providing inflatable money supply to their politician buddies. They're just not going to walk away from that because "quote unquote" Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is better. Let's go to the phones here. We got Crichton on the line in Kentucky. Crichton, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Bonnie. Hi. Um, I, I wanted to call in. Pretty you early did. today. Welcome, sir. And um, I, I want, and and this this topic actually folds into what I want to talk about pretty well because okay. I called in last night, and I know there's a one call rule. And then Bonnie was talking about um, 
uh, Kennedy visiting New Hampshire during the uh, uh, pork fest. Pork fest, yes. So, uh, thank you very much. Yep. Um, and I wanted to comment that um, I'm of two minds like this uh, on this kind of thing. On one hand, I am a libertarian, and I see the things that you guys see that I would like it to be better. And in the sense that if it went the libertarian way, it would it would uh, objectively be better. However, at the same time, I also am a pra- pragmatist, and I don't want the uh, perfect to be the enemy of the good. Hmm. Um, and in both cases, both uh, Kennedy's speech and um, the the BRICS currency that you're talking about, it's, they're not libertarian concepts at all. But sure. in regarding Kennedy in particular, there's a lot of things that libertarians can agree with as far as what Kennedy's positions are, even if we don't agree for his... Can you give me some examples? I mean, I've I've not spent more than five minutes listening to the guy. I know he's a critic of uh, forced vaccinations, and obviously a lot of libertarians agree with that. What a low bar, though. But what is it that you would say are, like, three key issues on which he agrees with libertarians? Besides vaccinations, he he agrees that uh, free speech is paramount, except when he doesn't. That is true. He <laughs> does have exceptions to that rule. Okay. Um, he 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 agrees that body autonomy, meaning you know, you get to decide whether or not we put vaccines in our body or not, is paramount, except when he doesn't. Hmm. There are, yes, there are exceptions. Uh, You're not getting me excited here, Triton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I was voting for the man. Okay. I said I can understand why why the idea of letting the man speak at at Pork Fest, even under his conditions that there be no firearms within mm. the venue while he was there, are a reasonable compromise for uh, pragmatist libertarians to make. And I say that because we want to hear what he has to say and what we can agree upon. Even if it's nothing, but why does it even matter? Small. I mean, he's a politician. You know, he's going to lie. He, it matters because Paul, all politicians lie, mm-hmm. but they don't lie about everything. What we want to look for, we can never get with the idea that we're going to get a libertarian president is hopeless in our own life. Oh, I agree. So that's um, why we just shouldn't have so any of the, the candidates we, there. That's why we need to secede so, from the United States. So the best we can hope for in the current system that, that we're in, you know before secession, mm-hmm. is to be able to vote for um, candidates that represent our ideals as closely as we can get. I think just getting um, any, or, you know, any candidate that gets a whole bunch of libertarians who would otherwise not vote in the federal elections to vote is a bad thing, because he's probably not going to win one. So, I, I, okay, let's say he won. Let's say that a bunch of libertarians from New Hampshire who normally wouldn't vote in the federal elections voted for him, and he won. Well, wait, it wait, doesn't wait. change anything. All it does is give um, more legitimacy in libertarians' minds to the federal government, and I hate that. Well, I see where you're coming from, well, Bonnie, but you have to remember that RFK is, as far as I know, running in the Democratic primary. So at least so? from the voting perspective, we already know your vote doesn't really matter at a, at a federal level, so spend it on whoever you want. So if you feel like, well, I mean, there's there's an argument for that, but uh, but if you feel like this guy is at least a better candidate than Joe Biden is for the Democrats, 
and you're really motivated to support him in some way, but you maybe don't want to give him any money, uh, is you could register as a Democrat and then go into the Democrat primary and vote for him. I mean, I mean that's that's not a big it, commitment. It's not going to really matter one way or another, although I can understand why some people would, would not want to. But, he, but, Bonnie, here's where it could matter, although we can't measure this. The way it could matter is if libertarians were to, you know, like you said, register as Democrat temporarily and vote in favor of Kennedy in the primary, even knowing that we can't change the metric, even though the outcome is, is, is decided before us, the very fact that we move the needle, the, the, the percentages change. If you understand that president- the outcome is decided before the election, why would you even worry about voting at all? And there's no needle being moved. Let me explain. Mm-hmm. Because by the statistics affect how the forward conversation continues. Kennedy's policies will have an effect on the Democratic Party because he is more popular than they expected him to be. Well, that, I think you are a- giving the libertarians too much credit. I, I see your point, but the thing is... Whether libertarians vote for RFK or not is basically not going to move the needle in I, any way. I disagree way. in every single thing that he's and you have been saying. It's just like he's not so different from Joe Biden that this is some kind of like activism to do by voting for RFK. So it's not. Well, you don't really not know. Joe Biden. He's not. He's not so have much you different. To him? Well, I know that when he, uh, Crichton was saying things like, "Oh, he believes in free speech," but sorry, I'm not trying to change your voice. So just do mm-hmm. that when I'm. quoting people and i'm annoyed it's just like (laughs) oh he believes in free speech but until he doesn't he believes in bodily autonomy until he doesn't do you Mm -hmm. know what he's referencing at least one thing i know he's referencing is the the fact that he was talking about putting people into camps for not believing in uh global warming whoa yes i was that's such a big deal that it it makes it Absolutely no difference no, to me no if, deal, huh? if Joe Biden or him wins. Like, there's no difference. Hang Joe Biden Crichton. has never said anything like putting people into camps for not believing in global warming. I want to give you a chance to respond uh, here. If you'll, Do you want to stick with us? Yes. All right. More with Crichton in Kentucky. Sounds like he's advocating libertarians register as Democrat and vote in the Democrat primary for RFK Jr. in order to, quote unquote, move the needle. And my view is libertarians can't move the needle period. Uh, There's not enough of them. More coming up. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Unfortunately, due to government meddling, the company that partnered with Dash to offer Dash Direct is leaving the crypto business. However, they weren't the only provider of discounted gift cards for Dash. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using bitrefill.com. Plus, many of their gift cards come with a discount. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. It's 
Free Talk Live, and you're invited. If you want to join the show, you can do that here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. Also, Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash. Dash is a cryptocurrency that is designed for spending. There actually are not very many cryptos out there that are like that, but Dash was one of the originals. It was one of the first dozen or 15 or so. Uh, Bitcoin was designed for spending. Well, but People unfortunately... Have just changed it. Yeah, unfortunately, they never fixed Bitcoin, and so it's kind of in a broken state as far as being used... Uh, with low fees. They don't really have low fees on Bitcoin anymore, but on Dash, they certainly do. You can go to Dash.org to learn more about Dash, and from a technical standpoint, their transactions are irreversible. Their network is protected from the dreaded 51% attack by their chain locks technology, and there's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it is great for merchants. Dash is, again, one of the oldest cryptocurrencies. It's widely available on exchanges. Now available on the Maya Protocol, which is a decentralized exchange, which you should check out. Uh, it's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. Now, we're going to bring Crichton back on the line here, but, Bonnie, you had accused me of being swapped by yeah. aliens or something. No, I think the government stole my boyfriend again. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm your husband. Now, I know, but, but I was uh, quoting myself. Yeah, it's all right. Um, but uh, why were you accusing me of that? Because all of a sudden you're like, everyone should vote in the federal election to change the country. That's and That's not we what won't- I said. I said if you were excited by RFK Jr., I don't see any reason you should be, but if you were feeling excited, and it seems like Crichton is, then no. it doesn't do any harm uh, it does. to, to I, vote I for him in the, the primary. Harm. I explain the harm, because if less people are voting, that is greater than if a whole bunch of people are voting for the people they're excited about. But why does it matter? No one cares if fewer people vote. Because that could actually send more of a message than... When has that ever well, done that? Well, a bunch that? of people voted for RFK. If people in mass stopped voting, that you don't think that happen, would do anything? Though. Okay, it hasn't happened yet. It'll never happen. It'll never happen as long as there are people on the radio saying, if you're excited about RFK, you should vote for him. It'll make a big difference. I didn't say it would make a difference. Okay. Go ahead. Now, let me defend my position, because right. apparently I was misunderstood. What is your position? I am, I am not advocating that any libertarian necessarily register or vote for John F. Kennedy. Um, I was just using him as an example. I oh, mean, you mean RFK, by living... the way? Yeah, That's, whatever. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Uh, I can mix up. Talking about. Um, I was just using ha- him as an example of the concept. Getting Trying to get libertarians to do anything in the mass is an exercise in utility. Sure. But what I'm actually saying is, is that um, activism is part of what we do. But generally speaking, our activism is um, resistive. We do things to oppose, and I'm saying that there is a flip side to that, to, to actually move, to be able to move something in the future, is to seek out our allies when we can do, agree on something. Start something, mm-hmm. find an ally that you agree on something important, and then start expanding that agreement if we can. Sure. If you can't expand that agreement, you stop it. But the, the specific thing about... Uh, uh, Kennedy talking about uh, concentration camps for uh, 
climate change deniers was a, an off-cut comment that he made in an interview with a group of uh, climate change activists. Hmm. He was literally talking to his base. Mm-hmm. So was he joking? So Sounds he like he's pandering. Been, he may not have been. But here's the thing. Like you said, all politicians lie. They especially lie when they think that they're, they've got your attention. Um, but, in, but the reality is when political align, alliances occur, they, if they realize that that alliance is valuable, they won't do things necessarily to, a, to hurt that alliance. So by aligning with someone like Kennedy, not necessarily Kennedy because I don't really like him per se, but if we can find people in the Democratic Party that we can agree on something about and, their, and tie their success to that alliance, then they are less likely to hurt us in the future. Why? That's, I mean, Trump just Trump absolutely relied on all of the Republicans in uh, 2016 who voted for him, and he still broke lots of promises to him, and it doesn't matter. People still love him, and he isn't sorry, and there hasn't been any kind of backlash about him not building the wall or whatever. Yeah, I don't see why uh, RFK Jr. or any other politician would hold any alliance at all with the libertarians or anyone else who helps him get where they're going. Like, I mean, by, thing- by definition, a politician breaks their promises and they turn on people once they get the power that they're that they're seeking. The thing about it to me is why create an alliance with these psychopathic bullies? Like if you're in middle school, is it better for you? Do you have a better quality of life at school? If you go, this person's a bully, I guess I got to ally with them. And some people do do, do this. Mm-hmm. I guess I got to ally with them and then they won't hurt me. Do you have a better quality of life like that, living in fear of what this person wh- might do to you? Or do you have a better quality of life if you say, I'm going to ignore, ignore that person, stay away from them, don't let them ruin my life and make friends, my own friend group, and we'll be strong together. That's obviously better. Um, I'm not sure that your analogy necessarily applies. It I does. I see your point. Because I, New Hampshire um, is... Getting with a bunch of people who are not the big bully in charge, going and doing your own thing elsewhere. Go play on the other side of the playground. Well, I do want to say to what Crichton said on a wider perspective of, at least in New Hampshire, where the libertarians are a political, uh, you know, there's something to be dealt with. They're, they're serious. They're, uh, they're, I'm not talking about the libertarian party. I'm talking about just the small L libertarians, the libertarians that, that live here and do activism here, the, the free staters, the people that migrated here. We are absolutely, I think, you know, I can think I can speak generally here, willing to ally with anyone that agrees with us on an issue. So the Democrats that are on board with ending the war on drugs, we're going to work together uh, to move that issue forward. And that's an absolute fact. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't disagree that we should form alliances where we can. However, I don't think that any national alliance is going to hold any value whatsoever or or necessarily even hold together. Well, I wouldn't expect it to hold together for, for any extended period of time. Um, all political decisions occur in the moment. Well, it also holds no benefit for the libertarians either. I mean, if if libertarians work to get RFK Jr. elected, and I was just talking with one prominent libertarian activist here in New Hampshire who was talking about possibly joining his campaign team here in New Hampshire, if people spend hours of their time and money working to get someone elected who doesn't even hold 50 percent 
of the values that they do, 50% of the issues uh, that they do. It is an incredible waste of time and effort. I mean, if they don't hold 75% of it, in my opinion, that's that's an incredible waste of time and effort that you could have done uh, spending it on an actual local candidate that matters to you. And even that's probably there's probably better things you could be doing. Go bake a cake uh, mm-hmm. or, or something like that. But uh, I don't know, Crichton, I, I'm pretty... I do have another question yeah. about his... Uh, he said at the beginning that he had a way that this tied in somehow to BRICS. What did you mean about that, hmm. Crichton? I mean, the idea that, of course, the, the BRICS groups and the currency that they're trying to build is not designed to improve the lives of the common man that lives in these countries. But it would, ne- it would probably have the side effect, especially if it's tied to gold or some other commodity hard, as hard currency, to have a real effect. Like you said it earlier, it might improve their actual lifestyle. That is what the kind of thing that I mean is like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It, and Kennedy is far, far from perfect, but he's still a little bit better than his competition. That that's the, the point I'm trying to make. But and, is that little can, bit better worth even raising a finger for to do something like even just voting, let alone giving money or time? I don't even know. I have that, meant that he is. That is somebody. That's that is something that the individual libertarian is going to have to decide for themselves. That. But my point is, is that we can't. We this whole scenario of of tyranny that we grown into that we were born into it took generations to get this back so we mm-hmm. it's going to take a long time to fix and little by little inch by inch i'll take the inch there's no fixing this the federal government is never going to become uh, a better more freedom friendly place it is going to have to fail it is going to have to come crashing down like all empires have over time or the uh, smart ones like Texas or New Hampshire hopefully will be able to escape the coming failure of this. So I want to ask you, I mean, Crichton, you know, you've been talking about these options. What are you going to do? Are you getting behind uh, RFK Jr.'s campaign in some way? I mean, what, what are you going to actually do? I am not. I'm actually looking into land both in North Texas and in New Hampshire. All right. Seems like a good plan. Um, so Oklahoma and New Hampshire? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Texas joke. I'm not Texan enough to make those jokes anymore. <laughs> hey, thanks for the call tonight, Crichton. I appreciate the uh, the thoughts here. Let's go to the phones. Unscreen call. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. I'd like to add uh, something on top of what the last caller was saying. Sure. Um, so I'm, I understand where he's coming from as far as taking an inch as opposed to a mile. In fact, correct me if I'm wrong, I actually called to ask this. You live in what is considered one of the most libertarian states in the country, if not the most libertarian state in the country. But um, from what I understand, isn't your legislature comprised almost entirely of Republicans and Democrats that have a libertarian streak to them? Yeah. Uh, you're talking about New Hampshire's well, state. not Democrats. It, it's a entirely Republicans and Democrats. There are no de- libertarians, and the liberty-leaning ones are all Republicans this time. Yeah, that's true. Oh, okay. The the free staters who've migrated here have tended towards the Republican Party, at least on an open basis. There are some that have joined the the Democratic Party and may or may not be as openly libertarian uh, in that particular party in order to, I think, try to infiltrate it. 
Um, so those those ones have not successfully gotten elected from uh, what I'm aware of. But uh, the Liberty, if you were to go and look at the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, which, by the way, is having its summit tonight. That's why Jay Noon isn't with us. He's giving a presentation uh, to the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance summit. Nice. And uh, it's in regards to DCYF. Which is the CPS, Child Protective Services Correct. of New Hampshire. Division of Children, Youth Family and Families. Youth, yeah. He uh, or the uh, New Hampshire Liberty Alliance takes the time every year to rate the state reps, all 400 of them, plus the 24 senators, and they rate them based on how they vote on various different liberty friendly or anti-liberty bills. And they come up with a ratings, uh, you know, A through F and then below F, there's a CT for constitutional threat that is even worse than F. Uh, and then they come out with that report card once a year. It usually is in the middle of summer. It just came out maybe two or three weeks ago for 2023. So if you're curious into this particular area, you can go to nhliberty.org and you can grab the latest or previous years. I think they probably got like a decade's worth of these things on the site. And you can see um, exactly how many of the state reps ranked as an A-rated state rep or A-plus or A-minus or B and so on. Uh, down the list, and you will find that the Republicans tend to score higher on the uh, the list than the Democrats do. All right, one one more thing I was going to add, as far as RFK Jr. is concerned, actually. Um, so this thing he was talking about last time about uh, how it might be better to throw support behind RFK Jr. as kind of a way to try to get some libertarian policies in place. This wouldn't be the first time I would assume that we've seen libertarians get behind one of the major two-party candidates i mean Ron Paul trying, and mike Gravel are huge are, examples are you drawing a parallel between what we're doing in new hampshire and the same thing on the federal level because i just draw a distinction because of the fact that um first of all you actually do have more of sway, uh, sway with your vote in new hampshire in your local elections it's not as many people voting and and the other thing is it's actually impacting things near you instead of supporting this agency called the federal government that shouldn't exist. The other thing is... I mean, local elections are going to have more sway. At the same time, you know, municipal elections also have that effect, don't they? Well, we do those here, too, in cities and towns. I didn't hear Crichton advocating that, that backing RFK Jr. would implement any libertarian policies at all. I think we kind of misunderstood even... um, at the beginning, you were saying that he thought we should get libertarians behind RFK, and then he clarified that he wasn't at all. So. He himself was not. Oh, okay, but I think what he was saying was that one could, that he thought that if libertarians did, then it might actually show on the you know way in as some sort of percentage to support him. But the problem there is... You don't know what percentage are if, – if there were a movement of libertarians backing RFK Jr., you wouldn't know because you can't compare different realities, so you wouldn't know what his percentage would be in the absence of the libertarians supporting him, and you don't know what his like right. So if there's a if there's a ten thousand libertarians that go and vote for him, first of all, that probably isn't going to be really worth mentioning to anyone. But if there wasn't ten thousand, then how would you know? That's kind yeah. of the point of the Free State Project in New Hampshire is that there just aren't that many libertarians. There are people who totally could become libertarians, but they're Focused on their day-to-day lives, making money and Mm -hmm. going to work, probably drinking beer, just being entertained. Like, I'm not saying that there's only a certain amount that ever can be libertarian, but 
Right now, there is not a huge amount of people that are libertarian. So the point of the Free State Project is moving them all to one place where you actually can make a difference in your own life. The, it, there's so, so few libertarians that the idea of putting even every single libertarian behind a candidate it doesn't really change anything. That's a fact. Anything else, caller? Guess not. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. Let's talk to Ricky. He's in the Commonwealth of PA. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian. Miss Bonnie, down with the eagle and up with the cross, no doubt. Okay. What's That's on your mind tonight? About yesterday. Well, this is a good one. Now, just a very brief history lesson until I go into current events. Now, under the second term of Obama, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Now, I remember it came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Cairo started blowing the hell out of the palace in Israel. Now, people were bugging out on CNN. Now, Wolf Blitzer was the one, the voice of reason. Now, calm down, people. You know, bring Hillary in. Two, three days, going to be fine. Now, I remember talking to a lady friend who called me. Oh, the president's got to help her. Israel. I said, he won't. He won't. He's got to help her. I said, he will not send over one man in a rowboat. He, why? I said, because it'll be World War III. And sure enough, Hillary came in and that calmed down. Now, let's move to current events. That's always been a strategic military lo- uh, uh, location for us to control the Middle East. Now, What has, Egypt? Egypt? No, no, Israel. Israel. Now, Egypt has now entered into BRICS. Now, what I call the mother of all wars has now changed because now Egypt – will, along with BRICS, now it's going to be Egypt, has incredible leverage now over the United States, and now BRICS along with it. Now, here's my looking at this. Now, this is leverage, of course, when it comes to what I just stated, World War III. Now, here's the thing. They've already shown that they're not kidding. But now, here's the thing. My concern. Who has shown that who's not kidding? It, uh, Egypt. Okay. They already showed that they're willing to bait us into World War III. Now, here's the thing. I'm looking at this presidential race. Now, some people ain't going to like what I'm about to say. Now, you got two people running for president, the front runner. You got Joseph Biden and you got Donald Trump. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can say what you want about Biden. He's a seasoned uh, person. He's been in the Senate forever. He's a thug. Now, okay, but here's the thing. If he's president, I'm not so concerned. Now, if Donald J. Trump becomes president, okay, with the leverage that this is, this is touchy business now. What do you think is going to happen if Donald Trump becomes president in regards to Egypt? I mean, Egypt isn't some sort of world power out there saber Uh, saber rattling. Remember what I said happened under, that was almost World War III under Obama. They were baiting us in. If, if, if Barack would have sent over a man in a rowboat, literally, that would have became World War III. Now it's bricks along with it. But they could do the same thing now, and they have incredible World War III with us. Egypt? Just be, what are you saying they have? They're in like an alliance? They have – because they have – because here's the thing. They just said screw it to us controlling the Middle East. That's why they were blowing up the palace and baiting us in. They still have that leverage now. Now they got bricks along with it. And if Donald Trump becomes president, I don't have faith in that. You okay, but wait a minute. Saying? Isn't BRICS just an economic alliance? It's not a military alliance, is it? 
Is there a difference? Yeah, but see, that's what I was trying to say. You know, I think that when people, I mean, countries become economically entangled, it's not much of a difference than when they're outwardly saying we're like a military alliance. See, this is now accelerated. Everything I said about the mother of all wars is gone. This is now changed, okay? This is where it's at. If Donald Trump became president, I'm really concerned. But wait a minute, Donald Who was the uh, candidate that you said you're not concerned about it? Biden. Oh, Biden. So I just don't get that. But there was not. he I mean, can handle this. Okay, I, I hate to really act like any of this matters because it's all theater, I really think. But if we're pretending that everything that happens at the White House is real and not some kind of staged, silly game, mm-hmm. there wasn't a war with Ukraine under Trump. And then there was immediately when Biden got in. Yep, um, that's like true. he can't even get invited to go talk to other um, major leaders. <laughs> right. The, the, Not trying to say Trump is great. I just don't get his logic. I don't I, get Ricky's I'm logic. I'm with you on that. I mean, Trump, Ricky, is by all evidence the most peace-oriented president of okay, our lifetime. Uh, I will tell you. Huh? He did almost have World War Three under Obama. This is serious. I think but we're you were talking to World about, War Three now. But you were talking about Trump being this danger. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he has the experience to handle such a situation. I seriously do not. Biden doesn't have the common sense to like speak he was for himself. Vice president for Biden's years. literally yeah. a thug. He's under, an old man. He's so old. Well, wait a minute. You have to remember, under oh, Biden, Ricky, it doesn't matter whether he's old or not. He's an old thug. But uh, he's got other thugs that are under his control, and they're telling him what to do. But uh, under Biden, you have to remember, Ricky. Remember that uh, pipeline that got blew up? It was about a year ago. The, Nord Stream. Thank you. The Nord Stream pipeline. Okay, but the focus here, regardless, you remember of that? that? Not a big deal. Do you remember that? I do. You I know do, who is behind it? Regardless, I get your, I get your point, but still, that was the closest we've come concern. to World War Three. It probably in my lifetime, in not there. whatever you were talking about in Cairo. You don't understand. I think Ian understands. They have no, incredible leverage over us. Who does uh, the Egyptians? Yes, because they. Bl- that's why they blew. The palace apart. They were baiting us in. They I don't even remember that. Right. Location. Like that, ha- that has no, re- I have no recollection of the event. I'm not denying that what you're saying happened. Uh, your your claim is that Egypt went after the Israeli, what was it? They blew up the palace. No civilians were hurt. It was very strategic. You know, it was the bait us in. Obama did nothing. He's standing down. Does now, they Egypt have even have, now. like, a military of which to speak? I mean, they're not generally considered, they like, do. a world power. Oh, they do. Oh, they do. See, here's the thing. They have enough. But, see, Israel's got plenty. And it's speculated that they have tactical nukes, thanks to us, that they can't use. That's speculated. But the reality is they were baiting us as an Egypt does have a military formidable Okay, that look under Secretary Clinton's period. You'll see exactly that happen. I'm concerned as hell in the future. Okay, with this, they have incredible leverage over us, and you know what? It's their own damn fault for using Israel's the strategic military location to control the Middle East. Okay, yep. and, and and this is history's repeating itself. Now, do I think it'll be World War Three? No, hopefully not, because they're just using as leverage. But you get somebody stupid in there. Uh, the president tells the generals to move, 
Regardless, ultimately, they will move. Well, we've only ever had somebody stupid in there. <laughs> Thank you, Ricky, so I think we're for safe. the call tonight. I appreciate it. And it looks like Egypt is ranked number 10 if you look at the Wikipedia list of military personnel. So yeah, I just, hadn't heard about that. I yeah, guess they all have to join, right? It probably is a like mandatory Israel. thing. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, that's not uncommon out there. Yeah, the only person from Egypt I ever met, I worked at a Mediterranean restaurant with him, and he had to be in the in the military, so I'm pretty sure that they have to do that. Looks like the uh, raw numbers have about 438,000 active military and then another 479,000 reserve. Uh, there's more here if you want to join the show, 603-283-6160. I mean, does anyone else remember what Ricky's talking about, though? Like, I don't remember the the feeling of World War III about to kick off in, you know, because pre-Trump. Yeah, more coming up. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of... Where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because... I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. the ridiculousness in the Republican Party. I'm sure there's plenty of it in the Democrats as well, but the Republicans are, of course, on display in the last 24 hours with their debate. And, of course, Donald Trump uh, not going to the debate, instead doing a nearly hour-long interview with Tucker Carlson and getting, what, 200 million views or something like that? Wow. Last I More than the saw. debate? Well, the problem is... Twitter's view count isn't exactly, you know, honest in that it's hmm. when they when it says 200 million views, that can mean somebody who tuned in for 20 seconds and then tuned out. That counts well, how as did a they view. Count, did they not do that on television? Well, that's a good question. In television land, uh, Nielsen does the ratings for television. If it's anything like their radio ratings, which they also do, uh, they rate how many people watch on a 15-minute basis, I think, is the typical share of uh, of a rating. They may also do a total number of viewers as well. And I've heard that the total number was like 12 million or mm-hmm. something like that. On the debate last on night. On the debate last night. So good chance, though, that of Tucker's 200, I'll get you a current number on that, of his over you know 200 million, uh, looks like 243 million right now, according to Twitter, 
Of that, there's a good chance that, you know, probably 10% stuck around, right? Wouldn't you say? Maybe ten, one out of 10 people probably bothered to watch the whole thing. That's just, I'm, a sh- I'm just shot in the dark. I mean, a lot of people but, watching it is just somebody putting it on in a bar for people to have on. Maybe, maybe not a bar, but, you know, like a get-together. And, and a get-together like that would count as more than one view, and they don't count mm-hmm. that, right? So yeah. if it's just a stream that's playing and there's 100 people in a room watching it, it still only counts as one view. Uh, but presuming that 10% actually bothered to stick around for it, that would still put Tucker at twice the number of viewers as the Fox News. And again, the 12 million probably didn't all stay through the whole thing either. There were probably you know, some fraction of the 12 million that actually watched the whole debate. I don't know how long it went for. I'm guessing an hour and a half or more. Um, so I don't know. If you want to comment on that, you're certainly welcome to do so. We're going to go back to your calls and thoughts. Meanwhile, by the way, Donald Trump is expected to have turned himself in a half an hour ago, 7.30 Eastern time. He was expected to show up in uh, Atlanta at the Fulton County, uh, some facility down there, and turn himself in for processing, apparently. I wonder if it's where they are really bad to our caller, Stephen. You know, he kept getting thrown Mm, in jail. I think he was in North Georgia, Hmm. so no. But I'm sure they're really bad there, too. But in this case, because Donald Trump is connected, he doesn't actually have to go to jail. He's just going to have to go and get booked, essentially. So there's probably going to be an actual mugshot uh, this time. And that's actually likely going to be good for Trump because uh, somebody pointed out on one of these articles about it that apparently the first time Trump got arrested where they didn't take his picture in New York uh, they used AI to generate a mugshot and then they started sharing that around and they got a lot of, you know, donations or whatever based on that. So wow. they like the idea of Trump having a mugshot because it makes this more well, It makes him look serious. like a victim. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, he's expected, I guess he's probably being processed right now. The noteworthy thing here, I think tonight beyond the mugshot is he's not going to go to jail He's already been granted $200,000 bail. So he's just going through the motions of getting booked, fingerprinted, mugshotted, or whatever that that procedure is, being given a court date, because bail has already been paid. The $200,000, it's already paid. There's no chance he's going to have to uh, go sit in jail over this. So if you want to comment, though, apparently there's a lot of people outside protesting, etc. Let's go to Skeeter in California, though. Skeeter, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. You you almost sounded like an accelerationist when you said the system has to fail before you start to convince people. (laughs) Well, uh, I I figured that you would say something like that. Ian said stuff like that way before you even started (laughs) listening to the show. But the, the, the fact is, I don't think there's really anything you can do that is going to accelerate its decline. But anyway, what were you calling about tonight? Oh, you mean by voting? Actually, uh, yeah. You can use reductio. I mean, a grassroots voting movement has to start somewhere. But voting anyways, is never um, going to change anything. If it did, they'd make it illegal. But what were you calling about tonight? Yeah, and also, oh, uh, fear-mongering. But I uh, also wanted to add, uh, voting to improve the system or repeal government conveys an implicit message that democracy works. Right? No, is, no, it doesn't uh, do that. Like- I mean, that's what people like our co-host Captain Kickass believe. They believe that by voting, they're endorsing the system and that you know they don't want to do it so that's fine certainly their their choice but there are many of us who vote that do not endorse the system and a lot of us vote to simply try to reduce the damage 
that is being done to try to get decent people who actually care about liberty, for instance, here in New Hampshire, elected. And we have been successful at doing that. There are dozens of liberty-minded state representatives, some more so than others, but there are dozens of them in uh, seats of the state representatives here in New Hampshire, and that is because of voting. I wouldn't want to put uh, people that represent my philosophy on a sinking ship, on, uh, in charge of a sinking ship. But I'm really calling in to uh, tell you guys, you guys need to stop calling impartial critics of uh, secession fear mongers like uh, me and those boomers that called in yesterday. Uh, we I don't only know what you're talking about. Impartial? Yeah, so yesterday, me and, uh, well, I never got on, but uh, some other people were criticizing your, um, your secession movement on, on grounds what that What secession uh, movement? With, New I Hampshire thought. specifically? The New Hampshire secession movement, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so this man named, uh, I think, well, I don't want to say his name. Oh, this is the old guy right. that... Yeah, he called from Tennessee saying if, he's called two he's weeks called ago times, saying yeah. that if New Hampshire secedes, then boo. Poof, there goes electricity. Poof, there, <laughs> there goes, goes the, the roads. roads right? That's what he said. And uh, he <laughs> doesn't understand right. that. No, he's not. He's crazy. Right. No, he's he crazy doesn't understand that for one thing, New Hampshire actually uh, controls the own, their own electricity. So he just didn't know that. New Hampshire and, also had roads before the federal government, believe it or not. And yeah, there are the humans that are federal. able to uh, maintain so themselves. By, by the way, They'll Skeeter, federal off, interstates are only, are only, quote unquote, Paid for by the feds. And how can you They're get not maintained? In, how can you get offended whenever oh. somebody says that it's fear mongering what uh, he is saying when all you're doing is saying they'll take it they'll, and you don't have any kind because, of evidence? Because we have nothing to gain. It's you guys that are Pollyannas, you biased free staters who are acting like Pollyannas, looking at secession through rose-colored glasses to demagogue gullible hippies into your foolish movement. So stupid. we have nothing to gain. That's, <laughs> uh, the, that's the difference. It's not that you have to have something to gain, and it's not that I have something like to gain either in we this do. argument. We it's definitely just... do. The secession, pro-secession people, <laughs> the pro-secession people have a lot to gain. That is to say, we will be no longer I'm just no saying, we're talking with this thumb. idiot on the radio. I'm not saying talk like that if we secede. I'm talking okay. about this. Well, I want to talk about secession. Names, uh, well, yeah, Ian, but I'm talking about secession too. I'm just saying it's not that I can't. I can't have an opinion on something because it like. Well, I, I'm also for it. That that doesn't make any sense. That's so stupid. And it's not that you have nothing to gain either. You want things to uh, go downhill. And if people secede, it's not going to work. So. Oh, no. The, the U.S. government will still go downhill without the, without New Hampshire around. I think that if New no, I'm Hampshire saying it won't be Texas, like a big disaster. It, it can survive if you don't accelerate it. That's, huh? that's the trouble. He just what? says a bunch of stupid things. He Hold on, what, I want to understand what he's saying. This is why I didn't answer him all last night. I get it. I understand. I just want to know. I, I get stuff. it. I just want to know what he's saying. What are you saying, Skeeter? Why do you care? If if you're not careful, uh, like a uh, great enough technological advancement can bail out the government from its uh, downfall, like the A bomb did, I believe. Like if that's just a theory. You think the A bomb? He's just saying that if you aren't trying to make sure that the acceleration like you're not trying to accelerate the end of the federal government then it can survive okay who cares we can also yeah. just leave just it like, that's the e- way easier solution through an, through an analogy like uh, if you imagine like uh some guy that's in debt uh, like a lot of money but he, if you if you uh, wait around long enough he'll win the lottery Okay, and this is the thing I'm saying about Skeeter. It's like he doesn't have anything actually important to say. Like, he doesn't come and say, like, oh, (laughs) look at this example of this thing about secession. He just uh, calls in to say, I think they'll take your roads. And that's 
fear mongering. That means that no, you're they, I mean, you just they, want they people right to not to you want to just say that, that you think something will happen. You know, that's so Skeeter, stupid. They'll take the, the post office. Okay, hold on, offices. hold on, Bonnie. I just want to have a conversation with Skeeter. Why? Here. Why do you want to? I like when because you just I want to have. I want to respond to what he's saying. He doesn't have anything intelligent to say. Okay, I appreciate where you're coming from on that. But the fact is, there are going to be people who make objections to secession, and we and have to be able to address. And I had a completely rational and nice conversation with one last night. Great. Actually, two. Skeeter, you do understand that when you cross from uh, the United States into Mexico and Canada, that the roads don't stop, right? Uh, what's the point? Well, you 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 understand that because you were talking one. about how the federal government has all these interstates or whatever as though that matters in any way shape or form you know those roads aren't going to just go away when new hampshire or texas or california secedes from the united states the interstates yeah but you won't be able to access them number one they'll why? sanction you to death huh? why wouldn't we be able to get on the road that's you're, you're, already there you're, you're starting you're, you are committing treason no, I mean, you're, that's you're by also... definition not treason. And uh, thank you for the call tonight. This is what I'm saying. It's just like you can't have an actual conversation with him. And he called in originally to say that he thinks it's unfair to call it fear mongering. Like the call that we got last night where the guy was saying, oh, uh, you know, secession won't work because the roads will go poof or whatever. It's literally fear mongering when all you're doing mm-hmm. is saying, I don't think that will work because, oh, this is the worst case scenario. What if they do this and you don't have anything to point to? It's not like you're like, in 1996, this well, there happened was a and war. blah, blah, blah. I mean, so I can understand why people get scared about this. I mean, there was a civil war and yeah, that did have to do. Okay, well, I mean, they are a violent bunch of people. So I, I get the fear. I, I understand this is an abusive spouse and it's probably scary. To- Does that change the fact that it's fear mongering? No, it doesn't. But okay. I understand why people are afraid. Now, people like uh, Skeeter are not honest, I don't think, intellectually. And, and that's the thing. And that's so, why last night when I was talking to this guy but, well, about this, I I suggested that he uh, read Articles of Secession by Olo Axelman. It can mm-hmm. answer a whole lot of these um, objections people have. Sure. But I, we, I we've even... got to answer them on the air because we can't just point to somebody to go and read a book online. Alu's a great author. It's just There's a boring no conversation to sit there and try to convince a dumb old man or Well, that's the thing. You're Skeeter not going to convince dumb. Skeeter, okay? But you have to remember there's people out there listening that may have similar objections that may not be as ornery as the old man or as, you know, incompetent as Skeeter or whatever. And they may bring up through their, ups, you know, through their anger or their incompetence, we they may bring... Time. They may bring up some sort of objection that deserves to be looked at. And the, uh, the the claim he made there toward the end of the call that it's treason is a claim that deserves some uh, it deserves some attention because a lot of people believe this. And the fact is, we know it's not treason. First of all, all you have to do is look at the actual definition of treason, right? Because it's one thing for somebody to get on the air and say a thing's true and then no one bothers to check them on it. Okay, well, let's look it up. Treason on dictionary.com. The offense of acting to overthrow one's government or to harm or kill its sovereign. Secession by peaceful means, which is what we're talking about here. Just to clarify, we're not talking about dropping bombs or shooting somebody. We're talking about a vote that will happen at some point here in New Hampshire that hopefully two-thirds of the population will support. And then we will say bye-bye. 
will declare our independence from this federal system and become an independent nation. Again, by the way, New Hampshire was an independent nation prior to joining the United States, and we will once again have a president in New Hampshire and so on. That is not an overthrow of the government. Yeah, the United States government still continues by itself, just doesn't have power over right. the the New Hampshire government. And New Hampshire is a sovereign government, and uh, there's no talk of overthrowing it either. And that's not to say that they won't get upset about it. They may very well get upset about it. Remember during the Obama second term, there was that online, uh, they had this poll, poll th- well, I don't know if it was a poll, but it was like, uh, you submit a petition. You submitted a petition, and then you tried to get 100,000 people to sign the petition, and then Obama would answer the petition, whatever it was. Whatever the question was, he would answer the petition, supposedly, right? Obviously, they're not going to answer the, the tough questions like, you know, oh, are you, do you think 9-11 was an inside job? <laughs> you know? So, but surprisingly, there were over 100,000 people, if I recall correctly, who voted, uh, who signed this petition for Texas— talking about Texas seceding from the United States. And Obama's response, he did respond to it, was something to the effect of, we settled that with the Civil War. and Which isn't like how you legally go about settling things. No, it's not. But that's how a violent group of people goes about settling things, right? Might makes right, according to these people. They used violence. They got their way. And so the suggestion that he didn't say, he didn't verbally say this, but if you read between the lines, the suggestion is that Barack Obama would use violence if a state like Texas tried to secede. Now, that's just talk, and it may not have actually uh, panned out that way. But to go back to the question of, and I don't think it would pan out that way either, because it's not the 1800s. Information travels quickly today. The examples of secession that are more recent are much more peaceful. Look at Brexit as a perfect example. Uh, very similar circumstance, a very similar union. And they were able to leave Europe, the European Union, with uh, with no violence. Yeah, no one even... You didn't hear on the news that there was some politician even saying, I think we should bomb them. Yeah, I don't recall ever hearing that. You're right. And if there um, was, people would be like, that's utterly insane. It's 2023. People aren't going to support the federal government bombing New Hampshire. I agree. They're not going to support it. In or fact, even, the, you know, sanctioning them to death the polling, until they comply. Yep, people the, are not going to be okay with that. Uh, you mentioned last night, I think, on the show about the polling numbers that... Uh, Riley had said 29% or whatever yeah, supporting and secession. Sure that was and it. you were correct, Bonnie, that those numbers are not staying consistent. They've they've shifted dramatically since the first poll that was done in 2022 uh, did show 29% of oh. New Hampshireites supporting independence for New Hampshire right then. And that number has dropped to about 16%. Now, the question is that really means it dropped or there's just some other factor. I mean, when you've only done two studies yeah, on this, it's, there's only two. And it's only been two years, so we're going to hopefully do another one next year, and we'll we'll see what the numbers are then. Uh, but the numbers also weren't comparing apples to apples because the question wasn't exactly the same, and it wasn't done by the same polling organization. So there's some differences between yeah. the two. And if you're interested in learning more about the secession numbers, the polling numbers, then go to nhexit.us. You'll find a detailed article that I wrote comparing last year's survey with this year's survey. You can click in and you can dig into the actual results from the pollsters and do your own uh, digging and you know figuring things out. 
But one of the things we learned last year, if you remember, Bonnie, there was this lady named Karen who um, made a big hubbub. It's funny. I don't even remember her last name. I just remember she's a Karen. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> uh, but if you were to go back at nhexit.us, you'd, you could learn that too. And anyway, this Karen got all upset over this bill that we believe is going to come back, by the way, next year. But the bill uh, to allow the people of New I didn't Hampshire know you could say that. to I don't think it's a secret, uh, and it hasn't happened yet, but supposedly it's coming back. But anyway, the uh, the bill that would have allowed the people of New Hampshire to vote on the question of peaceful independence pissed this lady off so bad that she brought a um, complaint. Yeah, I think that's the right word. Complaint to the ballot law commission, which is a group of state reps and lawyers or whatever that make decisions for Concord. Yeah, they meet in Concord once a month or whatever, and they make decisions about whether this thing violated the the law or not, whatever thing is brought in front of them. So this lady brought this complaint in front of them, and she said she wanted these state representatives to be prohibited from ever running for office in New Hampshire again, that they would not be allowed to run for re-election. I don't know if that would be kicking them out of office or whatever, but at the very least, at the end of their term, they were done. They couldn't come back because, quote-unquote, treason. Because this is treason, this is... Um, insurrection insurrection things like that right and so what happened in this and there's video of this meeting i recorded this video you can see it it's on the uh, freaking channel on odyssey over at video.freekeen.com it's linked on nhexit.us and there's a part of this video after ms karen gives her presentation on why she thinks these reps should be restricted there were, by the way, 13 state reps that voted to allow the people to vote on independence. And after she's done with her presentation, the ballot law commission turns to the lawyer from the attorney general's office in New Hampshire. He is one of the assistant attorney generals. And look, I'm no fan of the attorney general, okay? These are the people that prosecute drug possession and things like that. So oh, Karen Steele. Steele with an E. S-T-E-E-L-E. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they turn to this lawyer, and the lawyer says, no, this is not treason, essentially. And he goes into why? Because, as we said earlier, it is not an overthrow. It is not, it's not violent. Violent. That's what an overthrow is. It's not an overthrow when people go to a ballot box and vote on something. That's the use of a democratic process that is put into the, it's literally using the Constitution of New Hampshire, which talks about this. Mm-hmm. The so, other part is that um, in New Hampshire, I don't know about every state, but in New Hampshire, the House members, they have some kind of a protection to where even if they're proposing something that maybe not violence, but maybe if they're proposing something that normally they could get in trouble for, mm-hmm. well, they can't because they have this protection because they're. Yeah, they have some protection as far as what they can say when they're testifying or in front of the the state reps. And they also even have like a protection on violating the law. So if you, uh, I mean, I'm sure that I suspect you can't murder somebody at the, there's certain things they're going to enforce. But but if you were to like strike up a joint or something like roll a marijuana cigarette and smoke it, violating the smoking ban, uh, indoor businesses and violating the possession of marijuana, they would not be able to be arrested if they were on the House floor. Oh, my God. Somebody should that. totally do that for um, activism. 
They should, but it's not going to be me. But if some New Hampshire person gets no, I know. But if somebody becomes a state rep and then uh, you know wants to make the point, like, Mm -hmm. listen, it's harmless. We should decriminalize. Well, Bonnie, you're qualified in 2024. Yeah, but I'm not going to win because (laughs) it's Keen. So you should run as a Democrat. I'm not going to win as a Democrat in Keen either. Yeah, probably not. With the last name Freeman. Yeah, true. Too much freedom. Uh, So anyway, that's the answer. The whole claim that it's treason is complete bunk. But yet that is something that people who are against secession will bring up and they are just they don't know what the definition of treason is. And they're relying on you to be ignorant and just think, oh, yeah, that is treason. And that's a huge reason I don't like to talk to Skeeter at all is because he just says things and doesn't know what he's even talking about. So a lot of the times he's literally reading something and doesn't even understand the words coming out of his own mouth. Yeah. You try to ask him a question about it. He's like, listen, listen, listen. Let me me finish. Let me finish. All right. The number here is 603-283-6160. Oh, by the way, uh, he he and others who are no longer members of our Odyssey channel are no longer allowed to chat on the Odyssey chat. chat. As of, I think, two nights ago, we made that members only by request. We'll tell you how you can become a member of our Odyssey stream coming up here in moments. And you can join us at 603-283-6160. Talk Live. You can join the show and you can bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian and Bonnie. Join us online anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com. We just talk on occasion about our amplifiers and thank you to Nicole Edge, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. Uh, and she's gold level, which means Nicole's doing 10 bucks a month, twice what we are asking for. So thank you, Nicole, for that. You can join her by going to amps.freetalklive.com. That takes you over to our Patreon page. And Patreon is one way to support the show. But some people, understandably, don't much care for Patreon. They are, uh, they got problems, right? Like they're, they're kind of woke or whatever terminology you want to use. Political uh, they banned certain people from their, their platform. We haven't been banned. Maybe we will be someday. Hopefully not. But you never know. So it's good to have another alternative. And uh, we do have that in the form of Odyssey. Odyssey is our prime video streaming uh, and video playback platform. If you go and check it out at video.freetalklive.com, uh, that is where you'll find our live stream. Uh, in fact, if you go to watch.freetalklive.com, it takes you straight to the live stream. But if you go to video.freetalklive.com, it takes you to our channel. And, of course, you can follow the channel there. That costs nothing. You do need to have an account. That's free to register. But if you want to back us with 5 bucks a month, then you can do that as well by clicking, I believe it is the Join button, if I recall correctly, at the top of the channel. That will give you access to the Odyssey Now members-only chat room. Some people were getting frustrated by the trolls that were in there. Remember those trolls that came over from YouTube? YouTube yep. They they act like they're federal agents. They're yeah. so dedicated to the show. It's insane. And, and they hate the us. Show, yeah. They hate us so much. Like Imagine watching us for three hours every night just to say, 
Oh, we hate Ian. And we hate Bitcoin. Yeah, he sells Bitcoin and he's so bad. Right? Yeah. So those guys are gone unless they want to pay five bucks a month, in which case then I guess they would be allowed into the room. Uh, and certainly the federal budget could afford $5 <laughs> a month for uh, for the show. But for now, it's calmed down in there. People seem to be uh, the few people that are members. We don't have a ton of members on our Odyssey channel. So if you want to support us without supporting Patreon, where a portion of your uh, the money that you're contributing goes to Odyssey and you want to have an exclusive members-only chat room, jump on in there. Of course, we have our own chat server over at our Matrix server, which you can learn about at chat.freetalklive.com, but that's very different. There's like no moderation whatsoever to that, and there's a ton of trolls in there. So enjoy that over there. Uh, we got Good Vibes 559 in there right now. It was actually his suggestion that we take the room members-only. So thank you uh, for supporting the show, guys. Now we know that anyone talking in that chat room is an actual supporter so they're more worth actually paying attention to uh over at uh, video.freetalklive.com we were just talking about secession we had a caller bring it up and apparently you had this old guy call into the show last night bonnie and i i've been off the show both times this old coot hmm. Uh, called in and it's a shame because I would have loved to have uh, had a chance to respond to him. Yeah, because the first time whenever he said the federal government would take away electricity, Nikki Riley and I didn't really know if um, the federal government controls the electricity in New Hampshire. We're like, uh, I don't know. I guess none of us pay electric bills. Yeah, that is uh, that is true. Um, I, I don't think I think we actually talked about that after the show and not a single one of you guys has yeah, that, ever that, had to. That's what you said. To pay me, an so. electric bill. Well, I, I don't know for sure about the other two, but I know for sure about me. Well, Riley's always lived with uh, somebody else. right? I, so. I always had to pay like give money for my electric bill. I've just never been the one who has it under their name. Yeah, has it under yeah. their name. It just works. So you don't even know the way. name. You don't even know the name of the electric company. I, I do. It's Eversource. Oh, you do. I just remember that like after we were talking about it. Um, but in New Hampshire, the electricity has had some level of deregulation. It's not enough what they've done here in New Hampshire, but they've done something. So in New Hampshire, you can actually choose a different what they call supplier. So Eversource does what they call delivery. They also do supply. And that's the but, thing. I, I didn't know that this wasn't just like a gov- I mean, a company, but they work for the federal government or whatever. Even if I remember I don't the think name. they work for the federal government. No, I'm, I, sure. I'm saying I didn't know that before oh okay i got you um but no they 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 are what is called a supplier and a deliverer but in new hampshire they allow you to choose your supplier so you can go with eversource i think by default you're um on eversource but if somebody offers you a better price per kilowatt hour you can switch to that other company and so that's a way that they've tried to keep prices down on uh power here in new hampshire now what you were referring to when you're uh, in our call tonight Bonnie, is that New Hampshire does have a nuclear power plant that is, as I understand it, in operation and does provide power for some portion of the northeastern uh, seaboard. Yeah, now, and isn't it like federal laws that are keeping us from being able to have a second one? There's definitely a lot of federal laws prohibiting the EPA construction of, uh, of nuclear facilities in the entire United States. And that's uh, that's as I understand. So without it. the feds in the way, we could probably have even cleaner, better energy. If cleaner we just and cheaper. A second one of yeah. those. In fact, I think Carla Garrick from the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence has been saying that there is some authorization that New Hampshire has to build a second nuclear power plant. 
But I don't know anything else beyond that. I don't know if that's like the federal government has signed off on it or the reason why that's not happening. I, I'm not following that closely, but that's what she's going out there saying. And I think that's very interesting. I'm still shocked that Carla Garrick has been um, booted off of Twitter. They said that she broke the rules and they still haven't let her back for like two months or something. No, they deleted her account. Yeah, that's yeah, what I meant. So she's like banned forever. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, if you want to comment here, the number is 603-283-6160. But since independence came up and since the claim of treason was brought up yet again, I wanted to go to our friends over at the Texas Nationalist Movement, Daniel Miller at TNM.me. That's their website. I don't have Daniel on the phone or anything. but TexasNationalMovement.me. Texas Nationalist Movement. Oh. Uh, TNM.me. And it reminded me uh, the, the 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 claim of oh secession's treasonous, which we've already knocked out earlier by bringing up the actual definition of treason, which is the offense of acting to overthrow one's government or to harm or kill its sovereign. That is not what is being proposed in Texas, and that is not what is being proposed in New Hampshire. What is being proposed here is that the people of New Hampshire be able to vote on this question of peaceful independence when 67 percent or two-thirds of new hampshire's voters vote to declare independence that is all they will be doing they will not be firing on a federal fort they will not be shooting at federal politicians they will just simply be saying goodbye that we're ending this agreement that we signed in 1786 i think it was 1784 somewhere in that range uh, that's all it'll be. and But yet they keep trotting this. The people who hate secession, the people who hate independence, the people who love national governments, they keep trotting this out, this claim about treason. And the folks down at the Texas Nationalist Movement who have been at this for three decades, by the way, they have been, you know, they know what they're doing. They got lawyers. <laughs> they got donors we're kind of just getting the ball rolling up here in New Hampshire by comparison. So they've got a lot of experience down there. And recently, a state representative in Texas went off against Texas nationalist movement yep. and claimed that they were treasonous. Mm-hmm. Well, TNM said, we're suing. Yep, because that's a real claim. It's not just, I mean, people are using it it's just a false as a, claim. a buzzword. Yeah, no, it's that is what you would call a liable that's yep. that's libel libel yeah. thank you uh libel so what do you do well in this case they filed a lawsuit what happened daniel miller writes about it over at tnm.me he says our current political climate has loosened many tongues and people don't want to be held accountable for anything they say no matter how wrong state representative jeff leach is a prime i, sh- I should talk like uh, daniel a prime example <laughs> you're not good at that he no, has a nice country he's accent. got a great accent it's like i don't know he sounds I don't know, more refined like than the way me. you just did it. Yeah. Uh, that's why when Jeff Leach accused Texas supporters of treason and sedition, which is another word that has to do with, uh, I think, violence. We'll have to look up sedition. Sedition. We stood proudly behind our members and helped sue Jeff Leach for defamation. While the lawsuit was just recently dismissed... This week's episode was recorded, he says, prior to the judge's decision. Our deep dive into this groundbreaking case 
will still nonetheless provide you with the best insight to understand this ruling and what it means for Texas supporters now. And I remember looking up this definition before I looked up sedition again. Mm-hmm. I, I looked it up before because I wrote an article on the libertyblock.com about Brody Deshays, a state rep here, saying that it was, um, you know, saying that if people voted for be CACR32, it'd be sedition and treason. Oh, did he say sedition? Yeah, I looked it up because I was writing an article right. about how he was wrong. So it, it means conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state. Boom. And if you look up rebel, yep. it has to do with violence. Right. And a, again, a violent overthrow, which is, a guess, not what we're talking about here. So apparently they did a show about this on Texas News with Daniel Miller, an analysis of the defamation lawsuit. Uh, we're not going to play that, but... He uh, sort of wraps up the story by saying that in order for this case to be dismissed, so they didn't get a judgment against Leach, but Leach was forced to admit, this is the state rep who called them treasonous and seditious, he was forced to admit that Texit or supporting Texit is not treason or sedition. Nice. While this may be seen as a victory for Leach, it is just public record that Jeff Leach had to eat his own words when faced with the law. You see, it's up to us to hold politicians accountable for the words they say. As soon as they're publicly called out, or in Leach's case, taken to court, they are forced to stop spreading their baseless lies. Leach may have won his game of checkers, but the TNM is playing a game of chess, and ultimately, we just took one more step toward Texas independence. And he's right. If you can get this on the record, and it sounds like it is, that... uh, this state representative ta- calling them seditious and treasonous has to come back, recant what he said, and admit that he was wrong, then that is going to look bad for any other state reps that try the same thing, and then they end up getting sued, and then they have to hire a lawyer. No one wants to do this, by the way. No one wants to go to court. No one wants to hire lawyers. It is an expensive process. You don't get a refund you know, from your lawyer at, at the end. If you win the case, you might be able to get the other side to pay for your attorneys. But up front, you got to pay those costs. Yep. And here in New Hampshire, the state reps are not lawyers for the most part. They're not professional politicians. There's 400 of them, and they get paid $100 a year. So, you know, hiring an attorney, you got to pay him $300 just to sit down and listen to you. Plus, it just proves that they're wrong. Exactly. Because, you know, a, a judge, a lawyer had to decide that it was untrue what he was saying. Yeah, and I haven't read the decision or whatever in this particular case, but I have no reason to believe that TNM is misrepresenting it or anything like that. So anybody else that goes out and says Texas Nationalist Movement supporters are seditious, they're going to get slapped with the same lawsuit. They're going to have to you know, hire an attorney, and they may indeed get the case dismissed as this guy did, but it's going to cost them. And eventually they're going to learn. If TNM keeps suing, if this keeps happening, they will learn eventually that they don't want to go through this process. Ian, let's get this on the record. If uh, Texas seceded like next year and your federal uh, stuff all got dropped so you mm-hmm. were allowed to leave New Hampshire, would you move back to Texas with me? I mean, I would be hard-pressed not to. He would love Texas, Ian. <laughs> it's so big. But uh, I have been, to, I visited Texas and... But not the good parts. I don't know. I went to Denton once. Yeah, I didn't even know where that was until you told me. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of trucks. Hmm. I remember a lot of trucks. Uh, anyway, 
So going on, but the prob- the problem with Texas independence is that there's a lot of people that don't like personal freedoms in Texas, and I think it would be you would probably see them go more hard conservative. I think as a result of being out of the United States, so yeah, I don't know how long I'd want to stay there. Texas has already been trending closer to uh, the left, anyway. In in my lifetime, there was this guy Beto Orrick that almost O'Rourke. got elected. Yeah, he almost got elected there. To what governor? I think so. Hmm. Well, they rank, whether they're left or right, I don't know, but they rank number 49 on the list of personal freedom states in, uh, according to the uh, the foundation, no, Cato Institute? Yeah, I'm, K- I'm not Cato saying Institute. that left is better for libertarians, yeah. but the things that Texas is bad on are more like right-leaning people are bad Yeah, it doesn't seem it. like they're getting like better marijuana. on it, though. That's the problem. I mean, number 49 is pretty bad. Uh, so, you know, I might go to support them or whatever, but I don't know how long I'd want to stay <laughs> in, uh, in a authoritarian place. Uh, you would just love San Antonio. Going on here, they say that it is up to us to hold these politicians to account. Leach may have won his game of checkers. I read that. Fighting these battles against incompetent politicians like Jeff Leach does take time, effort, and money. What Paul Davis and many other TNM officials are doing in these legal cases is a major aspect of advancing the cause of Texas independence. And so then he asks for a donation, and they are doing good work down there. Uh, also, if you have not signed our petition to put Texas Texit on the March primary ballot, please take the time to do so. They are trying to get, by the way, about 100,000 I think Republicans to sign this petition and about 50,000 Democrats, that is eminently doable in a state where there's, what, 26, 29 million people or something like that. I think Texas has a lot of people. Getting 100,000 of them to sign a petition is absolutely something they can accomplish. So that'll be very interesting if uh, Texas is able to accomplish that in 2024 is to get a question about independence. And it would just be... um, a referendum it it wouldn't hold any actual political weight so it would just be like oh that's interesting x percentage of people support independence for texas and that of course is the big question is what would it actually end up being because you can do polls as we were talking about bonnie with the polls here in new hampshire ranging from 16 to 29 percent of people in new hampshire who support independence like right now ready to secede yeah, still pretty good if you think of it that way, 16 to 29%. I agree. I think 16 is darn good. I mean, that's one out of six, roughly, that support independence. That, to me, is a good starting like point. Like, right now. Like, that right question now, was, if it was able to vote, would you want it to happen today? Right so, now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, anyway, getting, uh, you know, finding out on an actual ballot question would be much more useful than just polling a 1,000 people randomly by phone or or i think it was actually i think unh does internet polling hmm. so um if you want to learn more about it check out texas nationalist movement tnm.me and also uh nhexit.us i haven't seen many updates on what's going on out in california with calexit but if you've been paying attention and you want to update us on that feel free to join us here at 603 283 6162 circle back to where we were earlier tonight talking about BRICS the the other big economic uh alliance out there cuz I did I did check and I found um a discussion at quora.com about is BRICS military related and as I suspected BRICS is not a military alliance 
so that is just an economic alliance between these countries. They want to work together on certain things. They are indeed forming uh, like a they do already have a bank. So one of the things that the uh, who is this? The guy from South Africa was saying this is their central bank governor talking about the idea of having their own currency to use between the BRICS nations saying you have to get a banking union a fiscal union macroeconomic convergence where will the commercial the common central bank be located etc there's a lot of things that they do need to figure out but they already have this economic I don't know if they call it a bank I think they do but uh, BRICS has like the BRICS economic bank that gives loans out to BRICS members uh, in order to promote whatever economic thing they're trying to promote. So they've already got that going on. Really, the question is, how do they sculpt this BRICS currency, which right now hasn't really been figured out. But there was some discussion about it, apparently, at the BRICS summit that just happened in South Africa over the last few days. BRICS leaders said they want to use their national currencies more often instead of the dollar, this is according to Reuters, which strengthened, they claim, sharply last year as the Federal Reserve raised interest rates and Russia invaded Ukraine, making dollar debt and many imports more expensive. Well, I wouldn't call the dollar strengthening. Um, you know, this, this is like typical kind of media propaganda. The dollar hasn't strengthened. Anyone that ever goes to the grocery store and actually buys things with the dollar should know that it is not buying more than it used to buy. Isn't it basically impossible for it to strengthen unless they literally destroy a bunch of dollars? So you would be talking about a deflationary thing, and yes, that would... Uh, That's the only way, Possibly, right? maybe that might have an effect on uh, on price if they destroyed enough of them, but... They're not, but they don't do that. So I mean, they what they do, as I understand it, and if you follow this closer, feel free to call us in at 603-283-6160. As I understand it, what they do is they just allow loans that they've made to get paid back, and then they don't make them again. So that is a level of deflation, and the the reason that's deflation is because whenever a loan is issued, it is money that comes out of thin air. Yeah. So... And and I'm not just talking about the Federal Reserve. I'm talking about like banks. Yeah. So whenever a, whenever you sign a document to initiate a loan, you're basically signing an authorization to create money that never existed before. And so when you pay that loan back, that money's gone. That the money is no longer in circulation because essentially the dollar is a debt instrument. The dollar is evidence of debt. It is a Federal Reserve note and the definition of note in a legal sense in a fiscal or monetary sense is evidence of debt freaking risky note yeah that's, that's what, what your dad, dad calls it. it right so uh so that's one way they can deflate the currency is the federal reserve can just not keep issuing the same amount of loans that they were doing before to where more loans are being paid back than they're issuing out that would cause some level of deflation but on the other hand, they're still printing money likely to support the government. So is it really deflating? Again, just look at the results. Okay, that's all you have to do. Whenever we go to the grocery store, we like to play a little game where you and I, we try to predict what the cost of the grocery cart is going to be and you mm -hmm. know see who quote unquote wins. Ian almost always chooses a higher number than me. 
I guess I'm just more optimistic, and he almost always wins. Mm, I don't know. I haven't been keeping track. Well, yeah, I think you almost always win. But um, and you definitely usually choose a higher number than me. I I mm. I will be like uh sixteen. You'll be like no way. It's more like eighty, and then you win. Yeah, there's that image that floats around online of the different the like three grocery carts and the twenty dollar bill, and then it shows how loaded a grocery cart would have been you know, 20 or 30 years ago, and then how not as loaded it would have been 15 or 20 years ago, and then how it is today or whatever. And it's just dramatically less and less food that you're getting for your dollar. That's what you need to know about whether the dollar is strengthening or not. So whenever you hear the media saying the dollar strengthened, what they're referring to is the dollar's price in reference to other currencies. Hmm. They're not talking about whether or not you have a good standard of living. So, oh, big deal. Another currency went down in value faster. Yeah, that's basically what it means. When they say the dollar is strengthening, they just mean that they're not inflating the dollar as fast as the other uh, the other currencies. That's all. That's all it means. So uh, Russia's sanctions imposed exile from global financial systems last year also fueled speculation that non-Western allies would shift away from the dollar. Putin told the summit Tuesday, quote, the objective irreversible process of de-dollarization of our economic ties is gaining momentum. And that is the most important takeaway from this whole BRICS thing, which again, the for those of you just tuning in, BRICS, which was five nations, is going to be 11 countries now. They're admitting six more countries into BRICS. And it was already a heavy weight on the world scene, and it's going to get even heavier now with apparently 80% of the world's oil-producing uh, facilities out there, with the inclusion of, of the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia into BRICS. In addition, Iran, Ethiopia, Egypt, Egypt Argentina. But I did find myself wondering, what does Javier Malay think, the libertarian presidential candidate yeah, in Argentina? Yeah, since he wants to make the dollar there... Right. So more coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. You can join us here on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Can join the show. We're kicking off the third hour here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And it's Ian and Bonnie with you here tonight. Unfortunately, the story that I found about Javier Malay, the libertarian presidential candidate in Argentina, and his opinion uh, in regards to bricks accepting argentina as one of its new six new members um is on bloomberg and they are highly restrictive as far as uh their paywall is concerned and i don't have and i have not been able to get on archive today for some time or archive.ph i was told by somebody that they're still online but i have not been able to access that site so i don't know if that means that my internet service provider is blocking it although i have two 
ISPs. So um, I can't I can't get past the paywall, but the you know the introductory paragraph says that uh, he's not go he would ever tell business owners, private businesses, who they can trade with. So if you want to trade with China, trade with China. But it does sound That's like because nice, tr- last night Trump was saying like I would tariff tariff people importing goods into this country. Blah blah blah. We need to have our own factories, and it was really gross. Right, um, and apparently Millet is saying that he will only have alliances with quote unquote nations that defend liberty, peace, and free trade. Which of course those nations don't exist anywhere yeah. on the planet. Uh, so. Maybe they won't have any alliances. Some people have said he's going to ally himself with Israel and the United States, which well, obviously yeah. would not be nations that believe in free trade <laughs> or peace. Right. He did say something pro-Israel. I forget what, what he mm. even said now. But he also is considering like putting an embassy in Israel, I, I don't know, something like that. Maybe yeah. they already have an embassy, but another one, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, there seems to be this love for Israel's government, which I just don't understand. It's very, very popular on both the Republicans and the Democrats. I would hope that a principled libertarian individual, and this guy seems pretty principled, I would hope that somebody like him would see through the fact that this Israel uh, is obviously a you know murderous group of people, just like any government all around the planet— what it is that people think they're going to benefit from in regards to Israel. I I just, beyond the whole like religious just, end of times thing. I that, think it's for votes because of the fact that, yeah, there are so many Christians who believe that if you don't do everything you possibly can to appease Israel, then your country will be cursed. I mean, that's, I, I don't know if it's in that hmm. many words in the Bible, but there's an idea in the Bible that people who aren't, Good to Israel will be cursed. I don't know how many uh, you know Argentinians are Catholic or uh, Christian. I suspect a large number of them are. Catholic. I know that's true. Yeah, I know it's true in Mexico. There's a lot of Catholics there. Obviously, Argentina is not Mexico. It's a completely different part of the world. So, if you want to comment, though, you're welcome to join us here. The number he might be Jewish too. Malay. I don't know. You might be right. Uh, 603-283-6160. That is the number. You can bring up anything you want. In other news, you're certainly welcome to comment on BRICS or secession, which are two things we've been talking about. But in other really bad news, Tornado Cash is once again being targeted Hmm. by the federal government thugs with two of its programmers being charged criminally. With quote unquote money laundering. And what exactly is Tornado Cash? Thanks for asking. Uh, very important question. I've never used it, um, so I can't say you know that I have any experience with it. But certainly, the idea of a Bitcoin mixer, or in this case, an Ethereum mixer. Ethereum, for listeners that don't know, is the number two largest cryptocurrency by uh, value. Volume? I don't know if it's trade. No, probably not necessarily. Tra- it might be trading volume, but by Uh, market cap as they call it which is the value of all of the currency combined together that is ethereum it is a big thing right bitcoin's big ethereum also pretty big um and so somebody uh these programmers roman two two men named roman roman storm and roman Semenov, are facing allegations of money laundering and sanctions violations one of them is currently in custody by the so-called department of justice in the United States, right? I presume so. I don't the know why other I one, this happened outside. 
Um, well, I think the other guy is outside of the United States. Mm. Otherwise, they would have snatched him up, too, probably at the same time. Um, but Tornado Cash is a mixing protocol. It is a protocol because it is a contract. As I, Maybe it isn't a protocol. It's a contract, I think. Um, it is a what they call in the world of cryptocurrency a smart contract. So these guys and maybe some other people, I don't know who all the programmers were, but some group of people wrote this code that they then put out there onto the internet. And once they put it out there, they just apparently they destroyed all of their administrative keys to the code. So as I understand it, this code is like set in stone. It cannot even be changed. So if there was a bug that was in this code, they'd probably have to copy the code, change the, um, you know, fix the bug and then re-release it as a new thing. But the current code is they re- they remove their admin keys. They they're no longer in charge of this thing. They they did program it, but they're not running it. So one of the reasons why Tornado Cash, as I understand it, is different from your typical Bitcoin mixer is that a Bitcoin mixer you have to have like hardware somewhere in a rack in a uh, in a computer rack uh, that is running this particular Bitcoin mixing software and that's traceable, right? Like you can figure out where that computer is, where the computer server rack is, and you can go after it with a group of thugs uh, from the so-called Department of Justice. With Ethereum, there is no central computer. See, that's one of the things people, I think a lot of people don't understand about Ethereum. Ethereum is not a cryptocurrency in the sort of traditional sense, not like Dash or Bitcoin Cash or something like that. Yeah, you could use Ethereum to, you know, send somebody uh, some value. But the main thing Ethereum is used for is its smart contracting ability. And what is done with the smart contracts is when you have a smart contract that's written and you want it to launch, you want it to be in effect, I don't know how exactly you do it, but somehow you put it onto the Ethereum blockchain and then anybody that wants to can interact with that contract. The contract may have bugs in it. As we've seen, there are these uh, DeFi, as they call it, decentralized finance systems that have been hacked. You might have heard about these on occasion, like such and such lost $600 million. In Terra. What's that? Terra. Uh, no, that wasn't Ethereum. Oh. But uh, that was a different... Uh, cryptocurrency platform DeFi thing that got it was a DeFi thing and it did get uh, screwed hacked. over it, well i wouldn't call it hacked it was just attacked attacked in some way um so ethereum is, and there's a lot of sort of ethereum wannabes and ethereum quote-unquote killers there's a bunch of other things out there that can sort of do the same thing that ethereum does which is this smart contract thing but the thing that you need to really understand about ethereum and and again, I don't want to go too far off into the weeds, so please stop me if if I'm not making any sense. But the thing that really separates Ethereum from Bitcoin or other, you know, cryptocurrencies is that it can run these smart contracts. The way it runs, quote unquote, a smart contract is you pay it to run the smart contract. So whenever you're doing something on Ethereum, whether it's sending somebody some Ethereum or it's operating one of these smart contracts... It costs, quote-unquote, gas. That's the terminology. It's it's the fee that you have to pay. And the more complicated the smart contract is, 
the more it costs to run. And so what's happening when Ethereum uh, is running these smart contracts, it's not running on some guy's computer. It's not running on your computer. It's not running on a server somewhere out there on the internet. It's literally the entire blockchain, the thousands of computers. I don't know how many thousands of computers are running the Ethereum full nodes out there running. Is the it possible to know? Yeah, there's probably some chart or something like that. I've never looked at it, so I just don't know what it is. Like Bitcoin, it's like somewhere between ten and twenty thousand. Wow, that's um, so few. That are I running. Thought the, it was more. That are running the full node software. Um, yeah, I mean, it, but it, more people are mining on top of that. You're saying? I don't know how many people are mining. Well, I don't know. I'm how. saying that's a number that's more than just the running a full node. I honestly have no idea. Do you I, have to run a full know. node to mine? Yes. Oh. Hmm. Uh, so the number of miners may be smaller than than full nodes. Anyway, uh, so when the smart contract is quote-unquote running, it's running literally on thousands of nodes simultaneously on the internet. So there's no one computer that the federal government can zero in on and say, this is the Tornado Cash server. We're yeah. taking it. That doesn't exist. They also cannot stop tornado cash not only can they not seize the computer because there is no that makes them very mad oh yeah so there is no the computer to seize in the first place not only that but there's no one they can go to put a gun to their head because that's how they operate yeah they cannot go to roman storm or roman seminov and put a gun to their head and say Press the stop button. We want this smart contract to stop operating right now. Sorry, we don't have the keys. We burned those in you know 2018 or whenever it was that they launched this thing. I don't know what, what year it was. <laughs> so the best they can do is take these men. Make an example out of them. Make an example out of them and put them into a prison cell for the rest of their lives. Really? Or for, or, you know, well, you know, my, my situation, I mean, I'm facing, uh, until this recent droppage of one of the charges against me, I was facing up to 70 years in federal prison. I'm still facing as many as I think 30 or, or no, 20. 20 is now the, the max for me. Yeah, I'm not sure but, if we've even said that on the air that a charge actually got officially dropped in any right, case yeah. after the jury ruled on it so that's Correct. pretty huge yeah and that uh we knew it was coming it was announced by the judge three weeks ago but it took him a few weeks to come out with what was a 35 page order on this and and it's on some other things too but yes one of the two worst charges against me in the crypto six case i faced eight counts at trial which was down from like 25 they dropped 17 charges before the trial and then during the trial i faced eight counts two of which were money laundering and money laundering conspiracy, the money laundering charge has been dropped, which was the one involving the undercover IRS agent who pretended like he was a heroin dealer and I refused to sell to him, but then he went to the Bitcoin vending machine anyway and bought crypto and they called that money laundering. And the jury believed it and the jury convicted me of it, but the judge threw it out after the fact, essentially saying that the prosecution hadn't proved its case on that one charge. He did not throw out the other seven charges. So I'm still facing up to 20 years on just the one conspiracy to money launder count that still exists, which had nothing to do with the undercover agent. That had to do with they alleged that I was knowingly assisting uh, these scam artists online, which is absolutely ridiculous. In fact, they had no evidence of that. 
um, and there never would be evidence because that wasn't true. But they instead went with this theory that is completely outrageous, the idea that I was, quote unquote, willfully blind to what was going on. And that obviously isn't true because we did everything we could to stop the scams from happening and try to interdict them. Um, And you showed evidence of that in trial. We showed evidence of that in trial, indeed. But that one still stands. So that's why I'm still facing a lot of time. So these guys are, I don't know, I haven't seen the indictments against them yet. Uh, but they are the uh, the two primary developers. There was one other guy that got arrested a year ago, and so they're not the, these aren't the only two. There was more than them. But it's been about a year since they arrested the first guy. They've been charged with money laundering and sanctions violations. Now, I suspect a sanction violation charge is also fairly serious. It, this whole case is um, pretty well summed up like this. Naomi Brockwell, is that her name? Brockwell? Uh, yep, that's her. She is a crypto person on the internet and also lives she's here in New Hampshire. She's a free stater, yeah. Yep, she's really cool and um, also really pretty. And you can find her on Twitter, Naomi Brockwell, and on YouTube and TikTok. She does videos just explaining stuff about operational security and just like crypto in general. And she said, should we also arrest Bill Gates if somebody was doing something illegal on a Windows computer? That's essentially what's happening here. These people who can't control what people do with this um, software, is that what you'd call it, that they created. Yeah, it's software. So they can't control what people are doing with the software that they created, and they can't even be involved in it if they wanted to. They're getting punished. So if somebody does something illegal on an iPhone, does, you know, do the iPhone people get a warrant? Do they get put in jail? All right, so here's their uh, indictment, and those are all great points, Bonnie. Uh, count one is conspiracy to commit money laundering, which I'm still uh, facing personally. Count two, conspiracy to operate an unlicensed money transmitting business, also the one uh, that's one they brought against me. Count three, conspiracy to violate the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. Mm-hmm. That's the sanctions violation charge. Wait, is it that is that saying that we're under an emergency right now, or is it just permanent? Uh, there's a lot of people who will say that the United States has never been out of a state of emergency since like the 1930s. Hmm. That there's always been some new quote unquote emergency, and so far that's it. They've uh, they've been hit with those three charges uh, for this. We'll talk more about it coming up here, but let's go to the phones where we have Dave Ridley on the line. Go ahead, Ridley. Yeah. I- was, uh, you know, poking around looking at local government meetings to get ready to go do some interviews and ambush interviews with politicians. Nice. And uh, I found something interesting in the town of Marlboro, which I didn't I didn't wind up actually going there okay. for logistical reasons. Uh, but it seemed like they're they're like it says that they're well, that they, they're not announcing it, apparently not announcing on their website when their meetings are going to be. <clears throat> they say they're posting it at the post office and posting it at town hall. Hmm. But I could not find any indication uh, that they're announcing it on their website. And I've never actually seen anything like that before in New Hampshire. You've never mm-hmm. seen them not posting it on their website. <clears throat> Correct. No, like no, apparently no calendar. It says, unless I'm missing something, it says on their website, quote, the Board of Selectmen has been holding meetings based on the availability of members. 
Meetings are posted at the town office and Marlboro post office, unquote. Yeah, I, I don't know whether the law requires them to put it on the Internet. That would be something worth looking into. Actually, if you think about it, it probably doesn't. Um, probably not, yeah. <clears throat> because, you know, that would, that would require some, somebody had done something recently to the law to make it show that. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go They wouldn't have written it that One of these? Sorry. Eventually, I may try to go, but how would I even know when the meeting is going to be? Like, I have to go there. Right. You don't have wheels. You you don't have a car that you can just drive over to the post office or Maybe you can call someone. Yeah, I mean, I could call every week until they say, yes, we're finally having a meeting or whatever they say. Maybe they can point Um, you to a calendar. Maybe it's just not somewhere obvious. I don't know. But is that possible? Well, I guess we're already discussing it. It might be possibly legal, but probably not because the law probably hasn't said anything about them putting it on a website yeah like i said if i'm not missing something uh that's the concern i uh, gotcha anything else that is all all right really any thoughts on uh, what's going on with bricks have you been following that situation at all well i just know that it's an attempt to get rid of the the uh you know monopoly status of the, of the u.s money or make it stop being the dominant world re- reserve currency i don't know anything else well, thank you, Ridley. Um, well, for Ridley, that, huh? did you decide of did, have you um, decided anything else about your new channel? Um, well, starting back <clears throat> up your old channel, like, Ridley Report. Have you decided where you're going to go first, or anything like that? In terms of where to, to film? Yeah, or like any ideas for a new video? Uh, Keen, yeah, I was in, in Keen the last two days. Nice, uh, nice. And I made it to three Keen you know, the uh, city of Keene meetings and uh, oh, okay, great. was also able to follow up on some problems with Keene State College. <clears throat> uh, I think it was in, in 2018, they, they kicked me out of a meeting of the uh, city college commission, mm. but like the city liaises with the college. And uh, sometimes mm-hmm. they meet at the college, sometimes they meet at the city. <clears throat> and this one was at the college. And when I tried to interview college officials coming and going, they immediately reported me. To oh, yeah. Security. I remember they called security on you. Security intern called the cops, and the cops told me to leave the campus. Right, wow. the campus that you pay for through tax dollars, the quote-unquote public campus, you weren't allowed to be there to simply record video and ask questions. Yes. So anyway, I went back to ask them. Very interesting. Are I'm those videos for... up? Uh, no. Okay. It'll take a while to get them all up. All right, cool. Looking forward to me seeing too. it. Check him out at uh, the Ridley Report. He's on both Odyssey and Rumble. Is that right? Uh, RidleyReport.com, but it leads to that goes to BitChute. Uh, oh, okay. Rumble. I, I have I, uh, one third of my video. Uh, one third of my files disappear when I try to put them on Rumble. Oh, so okay. Like Screw a that. A, a logistical issue. It's not okay. like they're doing anything to me. It's just for some reason the interface doesn't work. So I stopped using Rumble, and now okay. it's just Odyssey. So BitChute, uh, BitChute and Odyssey. Check out the Ridley Report. Correct. Thank you, Ridley, for the update. Appreciate the call tonight. The, I'm excited to see. Yeah, those I am videos. too. It's been way too long. Uh, especially him doing a follow-up in Keen. That, that'll be fun. Will you show me some of your favorite Ridley videos tonight? Because I remember me and Nikki were saying, like, oh, I want to watch one, but I Oh, wow. I don't even that. know. I mean, there's been thousands. I mean, there's literally, I think, uh, more than a thousand Ridleyos out there. I don't know. I think I don't we've only know. seen one Ridleyo. He's so prolific. I think we'll just have to go and pull up the channel and see what's what's popular because yeah, it would take popular. forever to, to scroll through them all. Uh, let's continue here. A little bit more about what's going on with the Tornado Cash 
developers, two of them, one has been arrested. The other, I presume, is wanted wherever it is in the world that he happens to be. Wow. Roman Storm and Roman Semenov have what been charged name. with money laundering. With, Roman Storm. With uh, the uh, always fun count of operation and unlicensed money transmitting business, or rather conspiracy. So one of the Romans is still Roman? Ha ha. captain's listening. By the way, all of these charges are conspiracy charges. There's not a single charge on here of, you actually did this thing. They're just saying, we think you talked about doing something. Conspiracy to operate an unlicensed money transmitting business, conspiracy to commit money laundering, and finally, conspiracy to violate the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. That's the one that I'm trying to look up because obviously... How How could people be okay with the government going after people for... And actually charging them with nothing but conspiracies. Like, it happens all the time. You're supposed to care about free speech in this country, but you don't mind that the government's going after people for just possibly talking about doing a thing? I'm with you. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. You can join the show and bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. hates it they're arresting the developers charging them with what looks like at the moment three counts all conspiracy quote-unquote related counts money laundering and uh, violating sanctions that could result in up to 45 years in prison and that's presuming they don't uh, bring a subsequent indictment that will come later with more counts which is what they did against the crypto six and uh, by the way, Crypto 6 faced way more charges than these guys did initially, and uh, they added even more after we didn't take the, uh, Aria and I didn't take the plea deal. Aria ended up taking a plea later on, and now she's serving 18 months in a federal prison. And of course, as we uh, you know get updates from her, we'll share them with you. But as I understand it, she's doing fairly well, all things considered in there. Uh, but we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts here first before we talk more about what's going on with Tornado Cash developers, one of them getting uh, snatched up just recently by the federal thugs. Let's first talk to Derek calling from Nashville, Tennessee. Go ahead, Derek. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, um, thanks uh, for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, I know that uh, libertarianism or what it means to be a libertarianism is defined you know in a few ways you know most normally uh the non-aggression principle and i think you know that's fine but um you know i published the uh the audiobook version of of a book written by a canadian professor and um the way he defines libertarianism is a broad group of people who seek the betterment of mankind by decreasing the scope of government and increasing the range of individual autonomy. What do you think of that definition? 
I think that's great. Seems like a fair uh, definition to me. Right. I mean, I as a voluntarist, you know, so I would, according to that definition, I, I would consider myself a radical libertarian. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, but but um, it's kind of a big tent definition. Yeah, that's the best way to put that. That is definitely a big tent definition that would define the entire libertarian movement. It would not... Um, you know, fit the definition of a true libertarian or someone who is, you know, a voluntarist, a voluntarist a- or an I, I like the idea because it doesn't exclude voluntarists either. Like some people say, libertarians are not anarchists. Well, in that definition that Derek just gave, well, yeah, They're I not, also want, yeah. no, they are, because I, I also want to shrink the influence of government, just shrink it to zero. Mm. And that's, I think, why the Free State Project also wrote their statement of intent back when they had one. They don't anymore, I don't think. But when they had one, it was something to the effect of, I will move to New Hampshire and exert the maximum uh, potential effort to reduce the government in size, scope, uh, and yeah, reach something like that. I, I reduce it to, it's, to uh, the... the um, I don't know what the hell it was right now. It's not coming to me. But, uh, but fully, uh, the scope of government is to defend uh, life, life, liberty, and property. Thank property. you. Yeah, it was. It referenced that in some way. So that that would have been the maximum scope of government under the Free State Project statement right. of intent. Which again, yeah, they big removed tent. it. So I don't know. Would you guys agree that uh, a minarchist could be, uh, you know, properly defined as a libertarian? I don't personally like to um, necessarily because I prefer the more principled terminology. But I mean, I I get why people want to have a big tent. I don't uh, reject the idea of welcoming people who don't quite get it on uh, on every issue quite yet. Because I didn't in the very beginning. I didn't quite understand how the principle of non-aggression, which is what libertarians are purportedly basing their viewpoints on. I didn't understand how it applied on all issues, and I had to learn those things. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it is definitely, you know, I wouldn't want to turn somebody away. I think that they could, you know, be in the Libertarian Party or whatever. But back in the day, the Libertarian Party, I don't know if they still have it. I think they do. Uh, there used to be a principle that you had to agree with to join the Libertarian Party, and that would be that you don't think that force or aggressive force should be used for political or social goals so i mean that's a pretty principled statement and that's the only way the government does get anything done is by force so yeah to me it just kind of follows that you shouldn't believe in any like a minarchist could be someone that be- believes in oh we should just have a military but a minarchist could also be someone who thinks oh well we should just have Social security, you know, something that is going to be more objectionable to one person than the next person. Why should we use force to cover X when we could also just use it to cover everything? Why not cover it every, everything? I, I just don't think it's very defensible. Um, I just I haven't really considered like, do I consider them libertarians much just because I only really consider myself a libertarian in public. There's been plenty of times where I said like I was going to stop doing it, but go back to it because it's just like useful like there are so many people that consider themselves libertarians now not so many but there's like a lot more than uh there used to be so it's useful for like being like hey i'm i'm one of you now listen to me and then i say the most like easy things and then i hook hook them in lasso them in with we should get rid of the federal government and all government and 
actual anarchy or voluntarism. So do you think that uh, libertarians should be expanded as Derek is asking, Bonnie? What do you mean? Should it should it have the wider definition or should it be a more narrow definition of someone who only... I don't think there's anything wrong with that definition. Like I said, like it leaves open the door for anarchy, but it you know, also is vague enough to where a lot of people will be like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. What do you think, Derek? Well, it's uh, it's just interesting to me that, um, that, you know, several people I know who are, um, you know, have podcasts or sort of public figures have made the journey from minarchism to uh, voluntarism or anarcho-capitalism. Anarcho mm-hmm. And uh, I think you just you take those libertarian principles and you follow them to their logical conclusion and uh, it's pretty astonishing you know somebody like uh, Jack Spierko or uh, Mike Meharry I don't know if you guys are familiar with them yeah I've met Jack uh, in the past at Free State Project events yeah I mean he used to be a constitutionalist mm-hmm. um, and uh, man I was just blown away when he finally like came out of the closet as a voluntary. When did that happen? Like, nice. Ah, shoot. I can't remember how many years ago. Yeah, it's it been was. some time though, right? I recall it's been it's been a while. Yeah. But <laughs> what's his podcast? Uh, isn't the Survivalist podcast? Uh, the Survival Podcast. The Survival Podcast. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad to hear it. Now he just needs to move to New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm trying to make my way up there too. Um, All right. That'd be awesome. Cool. Well, Derek, thanks for calling in tonight. I appreciate the question. I appreciate the call. The number here is 603-283-6160. I'm of the belief that libertarian should essentially be another term for voluntarist. I think that that's what it should be. I understand that's not what it is. Yeah. And I don't really care enough to try to serve, you know, like save it. If you say that you agree with the non-aggression principle, okay, do you apply that to everything? Why wouldn't you? You should, in which case then, you're, in my opinion, you're a libertarian. If you are a liberty-leaning person, meaning that you agree with us more often than you disagree with us, I would say, welcome, here's a book, (laughs) you know, here's something you can read about that will help enlighten you on the issues that you don't currently understand, that, that you currently believe that the government would somehow help, that the government could somehow make better or whatever. Here's, here's some resources for you. Please let me know if you have any questions. I'm happy to talk to you about this. I would be happy to say that those people are libertarian on certain issues. I'll give that, I'll give them that. You agree with the libertarians on ending the war on drugs. Great. You agree with the libertarians on bodily freedoms. Awesome. You agree with libertarians on getting rid of the the U.S. military going all around the world or whatever. Fantastic. But on the issues on which you're saying you want the government involved, you're not libertarian. Yeah. And you don't get to claim to be a libertarian. Vivek Ramaswamy, does he claim to be libertarian? Uh, I don't know if he does, but people always are trying to claim that he's libertarian. Okay, I have not heard that claim even from his supporters. I have heard them say that they like him and they like a lot of the things he says. I saw just today somebody saying he's the most really? libertarian. Oh, so that's it's statement. probably like what you're saying, like he's per, per right. Or whatever. And being the most libertarian of the Republican presidential candidates could still mean that you're only libertarian on thirty percent of the issues because they're that bad. 
Anyway, the number here is 603-283-6160. Let's go to the phones here. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Chris. Chris, you're on the air. Where are you calling from? Yeah, I called the other night from Owensboro, Kentucky. Welcome, sir. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, you were talking about a, a, a currency, like another form of trading money, I guess, what, that tornado currency? Uh, tornado Cash isn't its own currency. It is a mixing service for the Ethereum uh, cryptocurrency. Okay, okay, because in Evansville, Indiana, it's been some years, might have been the early 2000s, there was a fella, he had this thing called Liberty Currency. Liberty Dollar. Mm-hmm. Liberty Dollar, yeah. yeah. And the government went insane over that one. Oh, and yeah, they, they even did. sent the Secret Service uh, to his location, invaded yep. there, and he had a place in Hawaii, and they went there too. Mm-hmm. And uh, they shut his place down, and he went through the federal system, and they took care of him, and that was the last we heard of him. Well, okay, so I'll give you an update on that case. We followed it very closely here. It was actually 2007, if I recall correctly, because it was on the run-up to the Ron Paul campaign, and they had created the Ron Paul Liberty Dollar, which had Ron Paul's uh, bust on it, right? And uh, they had like a copper version, they and call a it a profile, right? silver version, and uh, gold and platinum. They had all these different Ron Paul things. And they had just gotten them in to the facility there. They were getting ready to do a major that was final straw campaign. For the government. And the federal government came into their offices and came into the, the mint and where they had they stored I don't know how many millions of dollars worth of precious metals, and they just took it all. Terrible. And they charged him with, uh, quote-unquote, counterfeiting, hmm. and the jury convicted him in that case. Uh, luckily, he did, not go to pr- he did not go to prison. Um, he got some level of probation in that particular case. But it was stupid, Bonnie, because the Liberty Dollar, had you ever seen it, and if I had some, I would show them to you, but the feds took them when they raided the house uh, back in 2021 here. Um, they took all the gold and silver that we had. They didn't just take the Liberty Dollar, just Did to you be have clear. a Ron Paul one? I don't know if I had one of those, but uh, they're very, very beautiful pieces. You can find images of them online, but it was very clear that they were not government money. First of all, they're actually silver. But secondly, it had like a phone number on it and a website on it. But they claimed that it was just because they used the word dollar. That was one of the claims. Yeah, because they used the word dollar. Canadians call their money dollars all the time and they're not dollars. Well, they're Canadian dollars. So anyway, the uh, the update is he thankfully didn't go to prison. He had some level of probation. He, I think, is... I don't know if he's still in Hawaii these days. His son has apparently... Uh, what is his son's name? His son's got like this hippie name, and I don't remember what it is. But um, his son has launched a new Liberty Dollar, which is backed, uh, or it is a cryptocurrency. It's actually on the Ethereum network, which we were just talking about, and it's backed by silver. So, so there's still things that are involving the Liberty Dollar that still kind of exist out there. But you're you're absolutely right. Uh, they they totally just destroyed his business, which, by the way, at the time was the country's largest alternative currency. Gotcha, gotcha, because that's, uh, yeah, that's why the government, I know, that's why they do what they do, and one of the reasons we went into Iraq was what Saddam was going to do. He was going to get away from the American dollar. 
Is Saddam Hussein? That's what they say. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the main reason. And they weren't going to let him do any oil changes in rubles or anything with the Chinese currency or anybody else. What were you going to say, Bonnie? It says that the guy's name is Extra. Extra, that's it, yeah. That's crazy. His name is yeah. Extra von Nothaus. Yeah, and as I, as far as I know, he's still out there doing uh, doing things. I believe Bernard, that was, Bernard von Nothaus was the founder of the Liberty Dollar, and he is fully retired yeah. uh, at this point. I mean, he was pretty old when I met him at the Free State Project Liberty Forum more than a decade ago, so I imagine he's enjoying... Yeah, he won, yeah. Yeah, he's enjoying his retirement. Uh, did you ever get a chance to get any Liberty Dollars? No, I never did get into getting in that type of currency. How long do, did um, they exist before they got raided? They f- were founded, I believe, in 1998, so about oh, nine wow. years. Wow. wow. Yeah, he had a full shop and everything. He had some other stuff there, too, in Evansville. And mm-hmm. then it was on TV and made national news and everything. And it was yeah. a federal case. Kentucky, and, you yeah, they also raided his place in oh. Hawaii. Yeah, it's, the, it's where Don Mattingly is from, played baseball for the Yankees. And uh, if you follow the 72 Dolphins, the quarterback, Bob Greasy, he's from there. We're uh, actually Ron on the Black. air in uh, in Evansville. It's on the sister station. You probably already know this, but uh, you're listening, I presume, on WOMI there in Owensboro? Yes. Yeah. Yes, 99.1. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for uh, for being a radio listener. And we are on WGBF in Evansville, which is one of their sister stations. And we're actually on, uh, I think, every single day which is absolutely fantastic. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That's how I listen to you and, uh, on WMI and then WGBF. Well, let me give you some uh, other good news. Uh, there's a new thing that has come out. The feds, thankfully, have not raided them. Hopefully that will not happen. But it's called the gold back. For people who are really interested in being able to spend real precious metals as money, the gold back is probably the most exciting thing since the Liberty Dollar. Maybe I think even more exciting than the Liberty Dollar. I think so too, just because I like gold more, it, and gold it's the is first so thing pretty. that makes gold this divisible. Because yeah. it's um, they take one one thousandth of an ounce of gold and spray it in a thin layer onto this plastic, this polymer, mm-hmm. and it's in a pretty design, and it looks like a bill. Um, and it's you can spend it's it. It's wallet. worth about four bucks if it's in your wallet. Yep. And it can't be counterfeited easily because it's a really unique technology they use. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's amazingly beautiful. I highly recommend people check this out. Go to goldback.com. They're not a sponsor of the show, but I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of what Goldback has been doing. They have been at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. They were at Freedom Fest as the major sponsors of those events in the last couple of years. They're really taking off. They don't even have to advertise. They literally yeah. do zero advertising. And it is just the word of mouth of people that is getting a word out about this. Because it's so cool because you couldn't spend one one thousandth of an ounce of gold before the gold back because That's right. it would just be a, du- a grain, you know, like a grain of sand or something, maybe yeah, a little very bigger, small. Very, but very small. so small that it'd be hard to tell what it is. It wouldn't be able to have any markings on You'd it. You'd lose it. Yep. It, <laughs> it would fly just fall away right in the wind. out of your, you know, whatever you're trying to hold it in. Um, so definitely check it out because it makes gold actually spendable. Yep. Uh, and as you said, Bonnie, it's one one thousandth of an ounce. They have different denominations, but that's the smallest one. And it's just super fun to tip people with them, give them as gifts, and, and especially cool, if you can actually find businesses to accept them, which many of them are in in yep. Utah and Nevada. You can convince and New Hampshire. people, yeah, to um, accept them because they can understand immediately, like, oh, this has value. It's gold. 
Um, but caller, one thing that's interesting about goldbacks that makes me hopeful is since they're issued in Utah, I don't think that the feds will raid them because Utah has a law that they can that gold is acceptable currency. They well, here's have- the other thing. The one of the first questions I asked, because when I was at Freedom Fest in 2019 and I met Jeremy Corden, who's the founder of Goldback, one of the first things I asked him in that interview was, are you familiar with what happened to the Liberty Dollar? Because mm-hmm. my, my first concern was, oh, the feds are just going to come take all your stuff, mm-hmm. just like they did with Liberty Dollar. And he said, yes, he was very familiar with, with Liberty Dollar. And he had researched that excessively, and they made sure to not make the same mistakes. That's why the word dollar does not appear anywhere on the gold back. There's nothing on that gold back that uses the same language that uh, anything regarding federal yeah, I currency have it here, does. What Bernard uh, von Nothaus got charged with, it says... For making coins resembling and similar to the United States coins, mm. of issuing, passing, selling, and possessing Liberty Dollars, and of issuing, passing, and selling Liberty Dollars coins intended for use as currency money. It's crazy that and those are even charges. conspiracy against the United States. He was facing <laughs> 22 years in prison, but yeah. he only got three years of probation. Yeah. So there you go. Anything else you Can want to share tonight? Uh, well, my job takes me right by or on the edge of uh, Fort Knox. Mm, okay. So I get to, if I, I, I turn left on Highway 60 to go to Louisville, if I turn right, it'll take me right by the gold. I can see the top of the uh, the gold reserve building. Yeah, mm. but you can't see if there's any gold in it. Yep, I wonder if there is. <laughs> no, 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 I cannot. No, I cannot. <laughs> I work for a railroad and it's interesting. We have our own police force and everything. So, well, Hey, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate you bringing up Liberty Dollar. It is an instructive and historic thing that people, they shouldn't forget about it. And if they don't know about it, they ought to no. look into it. Thanks for the call, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yep. The number here is 603-283-6160. So we were talking about alternatives to the government money system. They really don't like these things. They don't like cryptocurrency. They don't like the Liberty Dollar. I'm sure they don't like the gold back. They just haven't figured out a way to uh, to Go attack it yet. And they sure don't like tornado cash. Uh, they've uh, charged Roman Storm and Roman Semenov with money so, laundering. I think since the very beginning of the show, I haven't really learned what tornado cash is from you yet. It's oh, okay. A it's a contract. Mixer. Okay. So it is a uh, it's a contract. It's a smart contract that mixes people's Ethereum and I presume Ethereum tokens together with other people's Ethereum. Let's just presume it's for just privacy. Ethereum so that way for they privacy get, sake. Yes. So you put some in, you get the same amount back, but it's new minus ones. a fee, probably. Probably. Um, um, but I don't know where the fee would go. So I don't know. Maybe there isn't a fee, but there's certainly the gas fee that you would have to pay. Like I said, I've never used it, so I don't know anything about how it actually works but they allege the federal government is alleging that north korea has used this mixer Mm. and so therefore it's a violation of sanctions is what they're saying right i think sanctions are a violation of human rights absolutely but they take this sanction crap real serious like and they're charging these guys over this the mixer obscures or obfuscates the origin of funds that are transacted uh, transacted through it. It was sanctioned last year by the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Asset Control after allegations that Lazarus, which is an alleged hacking group in North Korea, had laundered funds from multiple crypto hacks through it. 
OFAC sanctioned Roman Semenov as well on Wednesday alongside eight Ethereum addresses he allegedly controls. In a statement, U.S. Attorney Damian Williams said Tornado Cash and its operators, quote, knowingly facilitated, unquote, money laundering. He said, while publicly claiming to offer a technically sophisticated privacy service, Storm and Semenov, in fact, knew they were helping hackers and fraudsters conceal the fruits of their crimes. Hmm. Today's indictment is a reminder that money laundering through cryptocurrency transactions violates the law. I hate when the government accuses people of crime that they could only be proven if you could read the person's thoughts. Hmm. Well, well, they're going to claim they have some evidence, I guess, of this. But, uh, in, of course, in my case, they had zero evidence yeah. of these things. So who knows? Right. Uh, and they say they're... And that's you know, usually what they do. They the, just try to convince a jury to believe what they believe. Uh, the tough talk uh, continues. He says, and those who engage in such laundering will face prosecution. In a statement, Brian Klein of Waymaker, an attorney for Storm, said the case hinged on a novel legal theory. He says, we are incredibly disappointed that prosecutors chose to charge Mr. Storm because he helped develop software. And they did so based on a novel legal theory with dangerous implications for all software developers. Mr. Storm has been cooperating with the prosecutor's investigation since last year. Oh, no. Hmm. Uh, Looks like that didn't help him, huh? Right. And disputes that he engaged in any criminal conduct. There's a lot more to the story that will come out at trial. And is there any sort of timeline about when the trial would happen? I mean, you knew how long it took with Crypto 6, so I figure it's going to be at least a year out. The government's sanctions against Tornado Cash, which began last year, have highlighted how difficult it can be to completely shut down a decentralized service. Programmers have borrowed from Tornado Cash's open source code to spawn new programs with similar functionality. So again, even if they could shut it down, the code is already out there. So we're going to keep an eye on this particular story as uh, it is an out-and-out attack against privacy, which is, of course, what they said in my trial, is that supporting privacy means you are supporting criminals. Right. I mean, that's basically what they said. They had no evidence of it, but that's what they said, and the jury bought it. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow night. Online, in the meantime, you can join us at freetalklive.com. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.